Hello there. Hello. I said hello too early. No, you didn't. I heard you. I heard you. Oh, okay. I was just, uh, I was just uh, getting my mic in the right position. Oh, we're very soon for doing this in person. <laughs> Actually, like that'd be nice. You know, seeing each other and being people. <laughs> that would be weird. I don't know if we'd be able to do it then. Yeah, no. Get all shy. I have to clean up <laughs> the thing. Uh, now I got to pick up these cans. Uh, nah, it's too much work. This, we'll just keep doing it this way. This is fine. <laughs> I know you've, you've got the harder thing. you got to drive down all this way. But i got to pick up like four cans. Oh so my. I don't want to do that. <laughs> it is, I know it is quite a chore. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah, it's okay. It's recycling day anyway, so I should really pick up the cans. <laughs> Put them outside. Yeah. That's, yeah. You should. I don't understand why you have so many cans down there. Uh, I drink beverages out of them sometimes. Oh, during the show. Sometimes thought, during the show, yeah. And other times, even when I'm not on the air, I sometimes drink beverages out of a can. Hmm. I'll occasionally do that. Yeah. And not fancy beverages. They all have President's Choice written on them. <laughs> so, you know, don't think that I'm living the high life mm-hmm. through this uh, quarantine. But uh, it's still very, uh, it's still uh, tasty. Things are tasty. It's yes. Fine. That's fine. I'm just... I've kind of fallen for President's Choice during the... Uh, during the pandemic, mm-hmm. I've, uh, I've learned, you know what? Uh, they haven't let me down yet. <laughs> I keep trying. Like uh, this yeah. week I had uh, tuna steaks from them. And like, there's no way they're going to make this work. I made it work. It was good. It was, I had some good tuna steaks from President's Choice. That's good. Frozen. Yeah, ridiculous. That shouldn't work, but it does. <laughs> no, that's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah, we used to have an extra foods near us, um, which is part of president's choice the family of president's choice it's like their bargain arm and you so you get president's choice stuff there and you, you know they're yeah they had some good good things there. they had like a chocolate ice cream that was really good you know just things like that that you know yeah what's uh what's not president's choice it's like loblaws is president's choice <laughs> right and yeah. save on is save on no we not save no. on uh canadian superstore is president's choice Yep, uh, and uh, so it's uh, everything's President's Choice. Well, I guess Save On isn't. So you know, what, what's their brand? Save On is well, Save On. It's and then um, they have the uh, No Frills. Okay, but if you buy, say, knockoff Dr Pepper, yep. at Save On. Oh, I see. Yes, you get Western Family at Save On. Western Family. Okay, there you are. Mm-hmm. Eh, it's it's not as uh, cool a name. And uh, Safeways is Safeways is compliments. Uh, okay, which you'll find nice. also at their Freshco's, and they have some other ones too. Western Family sounds a little uh, cheap, whereas, <laughs> the, and I know they're all cheapies, but like uh, Western Family sounds like you didn't even try, really. You know, but President's Choice sounds ooh la la and compliments, ooh compliments. <laughs> you know, but it's like Western Family. Yeah. I buy your barbecue sauce. You know, I'm sure that's fine, but uh, I don't know about the rest. They, <clears throat> um. I was just going to say, because well, President's Choice, though, has two different bargain brands, though. Oh. Because they have the President's Choice, but they also have the the, the no-name. Yeah, the no-frills, yeah, yeah. With the, with the yellow label, with the black writing on it. Which is still fine. Like, so. It's fine. It's fine. Sure. You know, you tell me the difference between President's Choice and uh, the, 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 the no-name peas. Show me. Show me the, show me the difference. I it's can't. just if you buy too much stuff like that, you look like a character from Repo Man. You know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it does get a little disturbing. It does get a little mom or we poor <laughs> after a certain point. You want to buy the food that you know is like the cheap food, 
but it looks fancier yeah. than the regular stuff. That's the smart move that President's Choice does. The weird, Clever. The weird thing to me is like, um, well, compliments for sure is this way. And then whatever the, the brand was. I can't remember the house brand of Safeway was before it was bought by Sobeys. They had the I had they had a different they had a different cheap brand than compliments, but anyway, okay. um, yeah, I can't remember what it was. But anyhow, the thing that always kind of struck me was like I know it's supposed to be like a cheaper version, but can't they like make a nice label? They're always yeah. like the worst looking labels, and I guess you're supposed to think to yourself, I guess it's ugly and awful looking because it's cheap, and that's good. I'm not wasting a bunch of money. They put. You know, they didn't put a bunch of money into trying to make hot dog relish look good. But, you know, at the same time, is it that much trouble to, like, take a picture of, of relish and put it put it attractively on a label? Instead yeah, of, yeah, that's a good question. It's like, if you're wanting to, if you're wanting to buy, was it Lucerne you were thinking of? Well, Lucerne is the milk, but I don't okay, know if Okay, so it, that's all the dairy stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, if you're looking to save some dough... And you see, and you're looking, and you see something that looks cheap. Will you go, ah, that's that's the cheap thing, or <laughs> do you know enough to go like, oh, I know the thing that's trying to look a little fancier yeah. than the regular thing. Like the, the catch up with the fancier label, you know, but it's going to be cheaper than Heinz. Like, all right, or it just says cats up on it, you know. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's slightly misspelled, and you know the font is akimbo. As like, mm, mm, man, which would you be more likely as a person who's trying to save a bob, you know, to buy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I used to buy a carriage brand, so many things when I was so broke. And I was just like, and it just put me off anything like that for so long that to, even when President's Choice came around, I was like, no, I have been carriage branded and I have had their mac and cheese and it is horrific, sir. I will pay the extra dollar and I will go hungry for one meal. To have a better, but no, no, President's Choice is fine. It's all fine. Yeah, I remember there was a one a Scotch brand. It was called, and, and I always had like a kind of like a collie, like a little one of those little kind of wee black dogs that you you imagine wearing a tam o' shanter. It was kind of their the character on their on their packaging, right? And that's the sort of stuff like you think to yourself before you buy it. You think, well, how bad could someone else? Some, you know, how bad could knockoff craft dinner be? You think to yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's just noodles and, and uh, some kind of like powdered powder. You're yeah. adding milk. You're adding butter. Mm-hmm. You're already there. What? What more? Yeah. What? Yeah. But yeah, no, no. It makes a difference. It turns out that if you buy this twenty nine cents a box Scotch brand, you you are you know you're like boy, do they ever insult the Scotch boy <laughs> or <laughs> like Scottish I, people? I guess I should say because actually, yeah. but it wasn't funny because it wasn't Scots brand, right? It was Scotch brand. I remember my um my my mother in law. Was terribly offended by the idea of being called the Scotch. Oh, yeah, it's okay to say Scottish or Scots, but not Scotch. I know some people don't like uh, Scots either. There was a um, this is me being nerdy, but there's an issue of New Mutants where a character who is a girl who turns into a wolf and she's Scottish. And uh, at one point, someone asks, you know, all the different nationalities of the people, and she goes, uh, "I'm Scots." And they got letters. People like, we don't say that. We also don't turn into wolves. <laughs> That's right. So maybe things are a little different in this world. <laughs> in the movie, she's Irish, right? So. Uh, oh, boy. In the movie, there's a lot of things that happen. <laughs> I just brought that up. I don't know. There's I've... a lot of this. Oh, boy. Oh, come on, you mutants. <laughs> We're rooting for you. Come on. <laughs> oh. 
Yes. This probably has the worst line ending a movie that I've heard in a while. Because it's a setup, and I don't want to say what it is because people will watch it and I don't want to spoil it. But it's a setup off the top of a story. But it's a story that I think is commonly known. And then and then they just sell it so hard at the end of just just like boom. You know, it's almost like an, at the end, you know, there's a person who wanted the greatest treasure in the world and they slayed everybody and then they dug it up. And then at the end of the movie, oh, and by the way, peace on earth was all it said. It was like, yeah, we all heard, we all know the song. I'm dead yeah. soldier. I know. But that's what it felt like. It was like, oh, yeah, we all know. We all know. It's a Canadian history moment about this. You know, there's like, yeah, we know. We, everyone knows. Yeah. It's fine. You know, stop it. Go away. Yeah, every, yeah. Everyone knows Canadian history. Everybody knows Canadian history. Except for Canadians. Yeah. yeah. And we'll learn it once they put a like, you know, nice song to it. We'll get we'll get it then. <laughs> I, all I know is like, uh, whatever, the, the log driver can dance from log to log. I know that much. Log drivers can, can uh, walk lightly. I know that much. <laughs> and black flies are terrible. Sure. I know that as well. Yeah. It's good. Also, cats come back. <laughs> Everything I know I've learned from National Film Bird cartoons. Mm-hmm. And if you get into a fight with your neighbor, you will both turn into monsters and die. <laughs> That's what I know. Yep. Yep. Well, if you are walking outside and the music, you hear the music and it's going like, then you know you're going to get into a fight with your neighbor and probably Yeah, die. that is true. Yeah, you should at that point go, oh no, the music. Oh boy. <laughs> things, things aren't looking up. <laughs> also, if you're, uh, if you're a courting, uh, yeah. A mouse. Yes. Uh, do not get married because you're going to get eaten by a horrific uh, snake. In in one of the most disturbing little bits of animation I've ever seen, that the National Film Board kind of went, "Here's your money," and then we watch it in class and go, "Jesus, what was that? That was oh my god! What are you doing? What's wrong with what? No, I have no uh, memory of that. This is Froggy went a courting. Sure, old song, Bro Lives. Yeah, lovely. It's so happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you watch the most horrific, like, final scene that then ends, you know, and then everyone's killed, right? Like, everyone except mm-hmm. for the snake is dead. Yeah. The snake goes back under the water, and it's just like, just the, the water is still and black, and the remains of the wedding is, yeah. is you know, everyone's gone, and you just hear the, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Credits. Jeez. <laughs> There's no horror film that is creepier at the end than that movie. At, like at all. Oh, awful. I gotta, I gotta a, say a very subtle, a very subtle anti miscegenation song. Does that mean don't have frogs date mice? Don't have interspecies romance. The... Oh, so you are not pro a uh, the person would not be pro a Kermit Miss Piggy either. Yeah, I think that's that that's probably what uh, prompted that cartoon. Okay, all right. Fair so outraged by Miss Piggy and Kermit, like Frog and Pig, never. I have but to make a, about, I have to make a cartoon warning people about this. What do you think of uh, back in the day then a Gonzo and the chickens uh, having uh, having relations? <laughs> I'm not. Well, I didn't make this cartoon. I'm talking about the person who made it. Yeah. Why am I getting tarred with this brush? Yeah, I just wonder if they would have a shoot. Gonzo back then seemed to be. Some sort of bird. If I was to, I was, if I was to go with what before they got into the whole, you know, they got into their own. Is Goofy a dog? It's like, yeah, Goofy's a dog. But like back then, <laughs> yeah. it was like Gonzo. He's got a beak, so <laughs> it looks like he's he's a bird. He's some sort of bird, you know. Back in the day, like a turkey or some something. Yeah. 
you know, maybe vulture perhaps. A vulture would make sense. Um, you know, and a vulture could date a chicken, I think. I don't think that would be an issue. <laughs> They're both birds. Sure. Maybe not a penguin. That'd be weird. And it's a long distance relationship anyway. That's not going to, they're going to make that work. <laughs> I, I mean, I say that though a penguin does make for life. So if they do commit, then, you know, they're yeah. locked in. Well, yeah. I mean, they're just, it's a penguin. It's just to consider itself lucky that it's made it at all. But yeah. I feel with, I mean, I have to, I have to think of Gonzo as I would have thought of it as a kid, not as an adult. Mm. You know, because adults ruin everything. Yeah. Okay. But as a kid, when you watch it, like, you're not like you're not thinking sex. You're just thinking romantic love. You know, like that. That's you're not. Your mind isn't going to like. You're not start like thinking of anatomy and trying to figure out well what kind of position does this involve. Like you just you go well. This person really likes this chicken a lot. I kind of get the feeling when I'm watching the old Muppets yeah, uh, yeah. that clearly uh, Kermit and Miss Piggy were having sex. Like, and then later on in the in the whatever recent kind of reality based yeah, yeah. Muppet thing. Well, they clearly were as well. Like, in, in retrospect, they were. There's no two ways okay. about it. Sure, they, sure. They, they definitely were. But, you know, she was, mm, she's a goer, and Kermit, you know, he's got a, he's very tense. I mean, I don't begrudge him that. I don't like the idea that he's dating someone that works for him. But, you know, maybe they, maybe they don't even consider it like that. Maybe he doesn't do the hiring and the firing, for all I know. I don't know. Well, maybe their relationship predates that. Uh, you know, situation. that could be as well. Um, you know, I, I know that the Muppet movie is not canon, but I'm not really sure. And, you know, look, we're yeah. not even taking into account the Muppet babies. You know, whether or not you feel that is, uh, is, is canon or not. It's, it's, no, it's, uh, I feel that's a separate thing entirely. Yeah. You know, the only things that I think are canon, we will not probably know until, sadly, the passing of Frank Oz. Because he's got a notebook full of all the characters' backstories. Okay. And something that he and uh, Jim made up. And just it was just something for themselves to know. Sure. So occasionally he'll go on uh, a podcast or something, and someone will ask something about, like Mike Birbiglia was asking about Fozzie and was asking for some details. And he told him a couple of details that you would never know about Fozzie, because no one would know. Yeah. And one was Fozzie's the only one who doesn't have a key to the theater. Because well, Fozzie would come in too early. And... <laughs> And he would mess things up. Yeah, I was going to say, he's not entirely trustworthy. Not, not that he's dishonest, but just that no. he's a klutz and a, you know. Well, he's too eager, too. Like, he yeah. always wants to get in yeah. too early. So he'll come in too early and he'll mess things up. So Fozzie Bear is the only member of the Muppet Company that does not have a key to the Muppet Theater. <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can see that. That's, yeah. a good, that's a good bit of characterization there. And uh, Miss Piggy has kind of a dark backstory as well. That, uh, that's, that's for another time. Yeah, we, should probably, we should probably start the show, by the way. Let me just say that the only thing I consider canon in the Muppets is the thing that fires Gonzo through the air. Ah. <laughs> Let's start the show. Sneaky Dragon with the same old stuff we always do. Hey. Yay! Hey, hi, hey. We've already said all the hey hey's and hi highs and stuff. Sure. Um, let me uh, let me just uh, lay things out for the nice people out there. It is episode four hundred and ninety-two. Wow. Meaning, yes, we are eight episodes away from eight episodes from now. 
<laughs> That's true. Which, That's true. if you do uh, the new math, adds up to 500, meaning uh, we're going to be doing something for that episode because you know we won't do anything for the episodes between then and now. Phoning it in, regular stuff, blah, blah, blah. Hey, what's your favorite ice cream flavors? Let's name them in the anti-order and all this stuff. Hey, I'm going to look up a Nancy cartoon. Why don't you tell me what the punchline is? Hey, remember that soap opera that went off the air in 72? Uh, hey, why don't you tell me what that episode was? Stop that shit. We're going to do that shit for like episodes. And then, ba-boom! It'll be... It'll be... The exact same, really. Yeah, but probably more in person. We'll see. That's the, that's the that's the sort of goal. I'm kind of excited. I think some people have been like writing in and asking, like you know, uh, what not what they can do to help or anything, but just like, yeah. you know, what's what's the deal? They're like, can can we help? You know, set out the chairs, and we're like, we don't. That's okay. Don't need any. Well, yeah, I don't. I don't. I mean, again, eight eight uh, weeks from now, I guess seven 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 weeks from now. Um, will it seems like so soon and so far it seems like a million years away and, uh, and right around the corner well you're right but it's one of those things that it'll just like come racing up on us so it will be we would be recording july uh, i guess end of june it's july 3rd is saturday that's the day it will drop okay but i don't know what day we would be recording it two days before that i guess but okay july 1st so, by all intents and purposes, we will be uh, double vaccinated by then. Yeah. That's the plan. That's the goal. Uh, again, again, I take nothing for certainty in this crazy world right now. Uh, there's a rocket in the sky that's going to fall to Earth tomorrow. We'll see how that goes. So, first, we got to get past that. There's a rock and going to fall? A rocket. Oh, a rocket. And I don't mean the kind from New York City, mister. Because <laughs> that would be one spicy tomato on the sky. No, there's a 21-ton ro- uh, piece of a rocket. Uh, oh, rocket. Oh, from China. Yes, a piece of... Yes. Uh, yes, a bit of... I thought you said rock at first, so I was a bit yeah, confused. Yeah, the rock is, uh, is going to <laughs> and announce his bid for president. <laughs> oh, that sounds terrible in, in, in all kinds of ways. Yeah. You know, a meteor killed the dinosaurs. Maybe the rock will kill us all. We'll uh, we'll see. It would be ironic, and we'll see. Here's here's all I think with the rock, and here's how you stop the rock from being president: is uh, any movie that he makes, go see it, go see it, and go make him very more successful yeah. than he is currently. Even if it's skyscraper two, yeah, definitely. Get your ass. Get your get your. It's like it's like the same thing people should have done with Trump. Is like, you know, look, just watch his stupid TV show. Give it all the ratings so he will be busy and not want to run for nothing. And then everything will be fine. <laughs> you know, that's what you got to do with the celebrities. You got to just keep them nice and busy and, uh, and give them success. And, uh, and then it's, it saves lives. Mm. So go see whatever The Rock's doing now. I, I don't know if he's in the new Fast and Furious 12. What the hell is it now? I, I thought it was know. nine. I thought it was nine. Is it nine? Okay. Are we counting the not... rock and... Uh, oh, you know? Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah. No, I don't know about um, that one where the guy is driving the car with his tiger. It's quite cool. a part of the... part of the. Okay. Series. And there's also a cartoon. There's a cartoon, Fast and Furious? Yeah, there is. Yeah, there's one where they, uh, they're like, for... Oh, my God. That can't be correct. Oh, my God. Okay, I, I just looked up, like, how many Fast and Furious... No, no, I gotta look this up again, sorry. 
No, I disagree with what this is. Uh, hmm. with what this is telling me so far. It says to me, okay, how many movies do you think there have been so far? Fast and Furious movies, not counting Kelvin and Hobbes. Uh, yeah, I don't care if you count it or not. If you feel like it, knock yourself out. Okay. If you want to count it? Go for it. How many would you say? By the way, you're too low. Go higher than you were going to say. You're too low. Still, go higher than that. Ten is too low. Go low. You're too, way too low. Go higher than that. That's impossible. Go higher. You're way too low. You're still too low. 15? Oh, you're too high now. <laughs> what are you, what's wrong with you? It's, it's 14. Well, you mean it. It's 14. You, you mean it sound like... It's well, is 14. It, it's 14. Okay. That, it no, that can't be right. That can't be right. It is. Because there's... All right. So there's the Fast and the Furious. Or, sorry. Fast and Furious, the first one. Then there's okay. Fast and Furious 2. Um, Double Dragon? No, what was it called? The... One, the slipping and sliding <laughs> spin out. Slipping, slipping and sliding. That's that's one. Sure. Number three, which slip, I think, slip. which I think is called the Fast and the Furious. Slippity slidey. Slippity slidey. The number four is too fast, too furious. Number, okay. Number five. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, all right. So yeah, you had Fast and the Furious. Too fast, too furious. Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Slippy Slide. <laughs> Tokyo, Tokyo. And then, and then what was your next one after that? Isn't isn't the the okay? That, so that's the fourth one in the series. Isn't that the Fast and the Furious? It's Fast and Furious. Well, Fast and Furious. So the first one is the Fast and the Furious. That's correct. Then they drop the the de- the definite article for the fourth one. For the fifth okay. one, the yeah. fifth one is is uh definitely too Fast and Furious. Fast Five. Oh, Fast Five. Number six is Pick Up Sticks. Fast and Furious Six. That's right. Number seven is um, um, Fate. Fate of the Furious. Uh, Fate. Fate of the Furious. That's correct. Is that right? Yeah, the one that's coming out this year is called um, the, uh, Furious Five. No, the Furious F Nine. Now this is bullshit because like some other films. Have, okay, there's been two short films that they're including. Here. Okay, that you can't include that. It has to be full films. You can't have shorts. Okay, because they are counting uh, the turbocharged prelude for Too Fast, Too Furious, and Los Bandoleros. Also, <laughs> yeah. this is like a TV show that I was talking about, Fast and Furious Spy Racers. They do count Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. There is an untitled 10th film. Yeah, they're counting ones that they're... Well, yeah, big deal. 10th film, untitled 11th film. There's an untitled female-led film. And there's an untitled Hobbs and Shaw sequel. Well, that's just garbage. There's also going to be a Universal theme park ride. Or maybe there is one already. Yeah, they just they just rewrited the Mummy ride. Oh, my shit. They've got a lot of them. Okay, so... Uh, okay, no, wait. Here we go. Yes. They, from 2006 to 2013, they've had uh, Fast and Furious Extreme Close-Up. Was a was a was a thing. Then a new attraction, uh, 2015, Fast and Furious Supercharged, mm-hmm. and then they came up with another one in uh, 2018. Oh man, I haven't. Uh, and then, and then to that, uh, there was the Fast and Furious Live Tour. Hmm. Yeah, uh, which toured around, and uh, there we go. So, but of actual movies that have been uh, actually uh, in the theater, there are ten right. of them if you include. One, two, three, four. How, five. Hobbs and Shaw. Yes, which, that is correct. Which was their attempt to satisfy The Rock and the other guy. Uh, which I say, do it. Satisfy The Rock as much as possible. Sexually, <laughs> uh, philosophically, I don't care. Emotionally, I don't care, I don't care how you do it. Just do it. 
Because apparently he and the, the the original star of those those films did not get along. Yeah, uh, Groot. <laughs> Groot. That's a, yeah, that's what he's. That's his actual name. And uh, and I think he was. Who was he? Was he Moana? What the hell? What was he in the uh, in that movie Moana? Was he Moana? No, The Rock was in Moana. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. What was he in Moana? Who did he play? Oh, I don't know. I've never seen it. Oh, it's pretty good. Well, uh, apparently not good enough that you remember the character he played. No, he had a big hook, and he sang songs. Captain Hook. Good. Captain Hook. Yeah, it could have been Captain Hook. That's probably what it was. I was thinking of Captain Hook. Yeah, you're a bit confused. Here's a, here's a, here's a question for you. Was he being chased by a crocodile? Uh, ooh, you, you know what? He was being chased by a giant turtle. Hmm. So, you know, not, not a crocodile. Yeah, pretty close. It was not a crocodile. <laughs> it was a crocodile in a, in a turtle suit. Yeah, he plays uh, Maui. That's who he was. Sorry, M- sorry Maui? Maui. M-A-U-I. Maui is well, Maui. Not even trying. He, he was a shape-shifting demigod. Not even trying. Yeah, Moana was, uh, was Moana. Was named, it was the lead. That's hmm. who she was. Yeah. And then there's other characters, and they all sang songs. Wasn't, wasn't uh, Moana played by a Canadian actress? Uh, was played by, oh, boy, howdy, do I wish I could pronounce her name. <laughs> Uh, let's see if it was, is she Canadian? Says she's born in Hawaii. So, oh, okay. Uh, nope, I'm uh, wrong. Nope. I was mixed up then. Uh, and she is of mixed Puerto Rican, Portuguese, Chinese, and Irish descent. Hmm. And also Native Hawaiian. So, there you go. Any Canadian in there? Nope. Well, there's no Canadian. Nope. But <laughs> she did also play uh, Ariel in The Little Mermaid Live. Oh, well, that's what I was confusing then. Yeah. When so, I said Canadian, I meant from underwater. Ah, very good. That, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> By the way, everybody, this uh, this podcast is Canadian in case it qualifies for any funding at all. <laughs> it, please, please fund us, Canada. <laughs> well, that's uh, one of the magical things about Canada is is uh, very little of our, our art actually is... Uh, Worthy of funding. So that's, uh... Yeah, the people that do, I mean, people clearly do get funding for stuff. Mm-hmm. Sure. You just want to say to them, like, good job, wizard. Good job. <laughs> don't, you know, good job, Nick Cage, for finding <laughs> the instructions on the back of a you know, uh, constitution. Yeah, good luck. Good, good, good with that. Some people do. I, I remember, like, working on a TV show, and uh, there was one of the producers there, and I was asking her, uh, so how do you be a producer? And she goes, you want to see these forms? And she was showing me all the forms you had to fill out for funding. And it's like, you got to not get, well, you got to just fill out these forms. <laughs> but no one wants to fill these forms out. Okay. So the person that does fill these forms out yeah. gets to be a producer. I'm like, oh, okay. And I looked at all the forms and went like, yeah, I don't want to do that. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's why you're not a producer. I guess that's the that's how they, that's how the government gets us, right? Is oh, the, yeah, 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 the yeah. money's there, but yeah, we just... Yeah. It just made, there's a, it's it's there's a disincentive to actually like get the money, and that disincentive is having to go through all the rigmarole of reading all this all this paperwork and and fill things out and sign your name fifteen times. Yeah, yeah. Like just uh, since uh, college, the idea of the Canadian Council Grant, mm-hmm. just like oh, it's just the the government would give you money, yeah, to do a thing. Mm-hmm. And it just that uh, just seems insane. It's insane. It's insane. But they but they would. But you got to fill out the forms, and what you basically have to do is you have to make friends or you know pay 
yeah. someone who knows how to do this kind of thing. I was just going to say, probably if you'd like hired a, an entertainment lawyer or something like that who knew how to fill out all that stuff, then you'd... Yeah, that's the thing. you gotta, you got to know somebody mm-hmm. whose job it is to you know, jump through. It, it, like you got to hire a, someone like Wong from Doctor Strange who knows all the stuff and can handle those books yeah. that are up there full of the cursed information. <laughs> and then, you know, they can lead you through it and then maybe you'll understand it. But yeah, yeah. you've got to have something like that. I used to, I used to in various incarnations of things that I have done, uh, I have been friends with people uh, and worked with people who did know how to fill out these forms and they filled out the forms and we got money for things at times. But you know, it's uh, that's the thing that you go Ugh, about. When you have to do things. <laughs> well, it feels like it's requiring you to have a skill set that is the opposite of an artist. You know, mm. Like it's saying, oh, you want to be an artist and, and create things? Well, here's a really uh, turgid, boring thing you have to do that will this will seem endlessly dull and complicated. And have fun. Oh, do I, do I have to do that? <laughs> so it's very rare that you become an artist and don't have to do the turgid and boring thing as well. So maybe, yeah. but you like you, but you enjoy those, like you know, those things that people, those things you enjoy well, doing seem boring to other people, but you find you it. enjoy you enjoy them to a point, and then you know there's a there's a big patch in there <laughs> where you've got to actually get that thing done. It's like you know I like acting, that's great, mm-hmm. and now okay, now memorize this entire play. You know that you're in. I'm like, oh, geez, yeah, that's that's not fun. That's just not fun. Like, there's just it's just it, no matter how much you like the thing that you like, there's an aspect to the thing that you like yeah. that you're just oh, okay. Here we go. Yeah, but I mean, here you, we go. You, you, I, I guess so. But I mean, it would feel more immediate, right? Like, there's an immediate reward to that. To that, it's not an immediate reward to learning lines. That's a long, slow slog. <laughs> That's like just gets less awful, and then you pray you have uh, done it yeah. when you finally hit the stage, like on the opening night. And but you're never sure. Yeah, you're never sure. So it's like a big stress, stress bag. Yeah, that's one thing that I don't miss about acting is is that feeling of just like oh Jesus, oh my God, so many, <laughs> oh my God. Like I know that was a thing that people would say to you after a show, and it was kind of a thing you go, oh, you know, how'd you memorize all those lines? And, and, and you'd be just like, well, what do you think of the show? Um, but now I look back on it and just go, how do you memorize all those lines? Holy cow. Like, you look at something like Hamlet and just go, human beings do this. How? How? How do you memorize all that? But sure. you do. Yeah, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a muscle you develop, though. Yeah. It's a hell of a muscle. <laughs> it's a big muscle. I still, I'm still amazed, like, at concerts. That musicians, mm-hmm. you know, can know all the lines to all of their songs. But they don't know all of their songs. They know, like, the songs they're, they're doing. Okay. You know what that. I mean? Like, I remember we went to see Sloan, and people were, like, yelling songs from the audience at them. And the one, one of the lead guys just went, oh, let me tell you a secret. We don't know those songs, because we didn't rehearse them for this tour. Like, we've, you know, we've done 20 albums, so... <laughs> You know, there's stuff we've done that we have no, like, we don't remember it anymore because we haven't played those songs for a long time. So. Isn't that interesting? A band that you love yeah. doesn't know the song that you love. Exactly, yeah. 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 Because they didn't prepare it. Because that would, that takes time to read, to learn those chords and to sing those those notes and, and harmonize and together. You're and going like, you guys wrote that. Mm-hmm. So you think that you would know it, yeah. Sure. But I bet you that there are songs that they would remember from their being kids, like songs that aren't theirs that they could play like from memory. Yeah. That aren't, you know, but those are just like, you know, songs that they love so much. They're just part of their DNA. 
you know, whether where their own stuff is just, you know, it's just part of their... Sure, they learn all those songs when they go on tour, and they're they're touring that album refresh, and they can play that whole album, you know, tip to tip to toe. But three years from then, they've already put out two other albums, and those, you know, that's another twenty eight songs, you know. And like if every album has you know twelve songs on it, and you've done twenty of them, that's a lot of music to have in your head. More than most people, more than most people do. And I remember when you know when. It's a much smaller scale, but I remember, you know, when No Fun would play a show, you know, they would they would rehearse, you know, every night before the show to get the songs in, in up, you know, up and running before the show, you know, like it's still even if even if you know kind of know them, you still have to like practice them and and get get that back into just can't magically do it. Sometimes you can, but but you accept the roughness of it, you know. Like I remember. David playing like a, a Led Zeppelin song to sort of impromptu at a concert one time, but you accept the fact that not every lyric's gonna be perfect or the song is gonna have a certain rough edge to it, you know. But I think if you're at a show and you're yelling for, you know, things and, and then and then, you know, when when the if the band started like playing, if every song was kind of rough and, and ready and, you know, they forgot some of the lyrics and, you know, like the solo wasn't quite on, you after a while you'd be kinda of like, mm. <laughs> Maybe you guys should stick to what you know. When we went and saw Sufjan Stevens' Christmas show, he did a kind of a cute thing where he had like a a, a wheel, a big spinning wheel that yeah. had all the songs on it. But it became pretty clear that it was it was rigged that he would like stop it at the songs that he wanted to play. <laughs> and pretty soon it was like intentionally so he would just like kind of like just stop it. But you know, here we go, move it back a bit. Some you know, there's a bit of a bit of showing off. Elvis Costello did that too. He had like a he toured with a big wheel and he'd spin it and, and it would fall but i mean you know there was a certain randomness but the wheel contained songs that they knew it wasn't yeah. like the audience threw out suggestions and they put them onto a wheel and then spun it and, and we've got toxic by britney spears okay who knows toxic here guys <laughs> yeah I was no one? Like when, when i was touring with stand-ups and they do you know 50 minutes to an hour and just like how do you how do you like i get that you know your bit but how do you know the order yeah, that your bit is in because I know at times they'll have to shuffle it up and go. This isn't working. Ditch this. Mm-hmm. Move this over here. Oh boy, they don't like the stuff about this. Get rid of that. <laughs> okay, I'm going to have to dirty it up. Bring this up to here. But then, how do you know what you've already talked about that night when you've done, you know, again another full show that night and you've done other shows that week and it's just, oh my god, like just for me doing five minutes of material. I have to like find some kind of connection between the bits or do a trick, which I used to do, which was like give code words to audience members and then just point at them and go like, all right. And it's just like monkeys, right. <laughs> How about those monkeys? And then you go into the thing. But yeah, otherwise it's just, you know, five random topics. Like how do you connect those? How do you, how do you keep five random things in your head that are not connected and do them in order? Plus do all the material that's in them. Cause, and that takes you miles away from from you yeah. know, what you're what you're doing. It's like, oh boy. I, I I mean, I guess it's just. I mean, what nowadays? What do they do? Well, they have their phone sitting on a, a stool beside them, and they look at it. Go, yeah, oh, it used to oh. be it used to be a notebook, and that, yeah. yeah, that's right. I don't I don't begrudge anybody that. I know it looks uh, less natural, and you know, and then you get someone like Richard Lewis who would just like have a huge notebook and just throw pieces of paper around, you know, when they were done and made it part of the show. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's still to me, wow. It's just like that's the that's the that's the tricky tricky bit. Isn't the isn't the material, though the material's hard. 
it's the uh, how do you get it in order? Mm-hmm. How do you get into an order that makes uh, any semblance of sense? Well, that was you know. You remember we used to um, the girls and Lisa and I. We used to go see shows at the Prop House, and yes. often often comedians there were kind of were kind of workshopping their their material. So you weren't getting like a fully formed act yet. You were kind of getting stuff sort of in the middle of, middle of of its uh, creation, which was interesting. You know, and sometimes it was successful. Sometimes it wasn't. That was sort of a chance they and you took as a, they as the comedian and you as the audience member took going to see something that wasn't. You know, it had a certain kind of loose, casual element to it. Yeah, occasionally someone in the audience would try to start a conversation mid-act with you. <laughs> and, and you'd just be like, it's, it's, it's something rehearsed. Don't just stop. Hamlet isn't going to take your input into the to be or not to be. That's speech. funny. I don't, remember, I don't remember that happening too much. But maybe it did. I, I don't. Uh... Well, to me, that was, I mean, hell. It was the piano player. The piano player would like, you know, if there was anything. Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They would immediately, you know, throw in their two bits. And then you were like (laughs) off to the races. Okay. And it was okay for for Ben because he was the MC. He didn't really have a bit necessarily. He was just going up there to to introduce the next act. And he's so affable. Yeah. He's he's the kind of guy that doesn't mind that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Though though he was a guy with uh, really good material, though, as well. Yes, he had, had, uh, you know, some things to fall back on or he, you know but he was also kind of workshopping stuff while he was when he sure was too. that's the point of those places yeah it's yeah. it interesting the people who would go up and do the same and nothing against them but like would do the same bit time after time mm-hmm. uh and you're like oh that's a little annoying to people who come all the time but it's it makes sense that that's what they would want to do and then of course I then see those people, I'm saying one person in particular, uh, then like on Winnipeg Comedy Festival doing that bit. Yeah. And like doing it word for word and it's killing. And I'm like, well, you rehearsed it. You rehearsed it to the point where it was just like yeah. watertight. And there you go. Fine. Fine and dandy. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't regret that at all. And I always felt like there was a certain, the, 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 the atmosphere kind of lent, lent, its, lent itself to a certain kind of casual casualness that was uh i always found very charming yep it's a kind of a very charming and very intimate kind of setting <laughs> and almost yeah, kind of family like i do miss that space for sure occasionally mm-hmm. we'll drive by that area mm-hmm. like, where is this space what, what did it turn into it turned into something here like yeah it's too bad when you have a place that's that it was so magical too because it was like all these weird old props yeah. were around and there was like a, a weird curtain that you know yeah. separated you know backstage from front stage yeah and yeah. there's like a, an odd like a panther lamp <laughs> which is off the side it was, it was very odd but, but it was good yeah it was full of of panthers he had like he had like a collection of sort of uh these little um you know whatever porcelain or whatever the material was panthers all over the all over the place and then a, a, a huge assortment of of chandeliers hanging from the the ceiling so it was Seemed very dangerous, but uh, yeah, it did seem dangerous. The second there was an earthquake, <laughs> we would die. And then the seating was very catch as catch can. You know, there was a bunch of like big armchairs, which are nice, but kind of limited. So you only, you only have so many big armchairs in a space before people are sitting in the the room next, basically in a different. It feels like a different room because it's separated by oh. bookshelves from the from the one the one part of it. It was a very kind of strange space, but. It's good. You could have some coffee, have a big pie, big piece of pie, watch some <laughs> comedy, you know. So we used to like eat dinner, jump in the car, drive into town, get there for seven, you know. And there was also an early show as well, so that was also nice. It's too bad there isn't a uh, 
Like I know there's already a, a restaurant in town, which I do like called the pie hole. That would be a good name for a comedy club that also served pie. <laughs> yeah, it would, would be. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, went, yeah, it's, a, it, it's too bad. Yeah. I mean, it's just too bad that it got closed down. That's the, the sad no, there's part. still, there's still a, a pie hole open. No, no, I meant the profit. Oh, that's yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I see what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, is Ben still doing stand-up? I haven't seen him do stand-up. I don't think Ben is doing stand-up, because I invited him on to our last anniversary show. And he was, yeah, he told him, uh, you don't have the guts to show up, and he didn't. <laughs> uh, but I think he felt kind of, uh, I think he felt kind of awkward about it, because, you know, he's not really doing um, comedy anymore. He's just like a guy, as, he's a manager of a call center. Okay. And so I think he felt kind of awkward about it. Like, well, I'm not really like an entertainer anymore. I don't think I want to come on the show and just be like a guy from a call center. But he wouldn't be a guy from a call center. No. But you know, again, you could also say, Dave, you know, you're the guy from the from the uh, you know the place, the warehouse. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what's that? What's that? What's the big, <laughs> what if people want to see me? Here? Well, that is a question I ask quite often. But anyway, thanks, thanks for bringing that up. Oh, sure, sure. No, yeah, that's, that's all yeah, fine. And I'm Ian, the guy who uh, is in his basement. He's just in his basement. That's what he is. Been, I mean, listen, none of us have done anything for a year, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. No one's throwing stones. Speak for yourself. I moved some doors around today, sir. Oh, okay. Very good. Well, you are adorable. <laughs> good for you. You're doing good work with your doors. Sure. Also, because people need to get in places. Yep. They need to get out of places, and they got to keep bears out. And they, yeah, they need to be able to like shut up their place that they're in. So. Yeah, you send doors, and you put a lot of work into it to Alaska, and that will keep a bear out of your garage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, was, you wake up in the morning, go to your car. Who's in the car? Bear. <laughs> I was, like, oh, I wish I had a door. I was just watching a little video about an island in the Arctic that it is required that you carry a gun to live there. Okay. It's a law. You cannot, you cannot not be armed living on that island because it's, okay. it's, uh, there's so many uh, polar bear attacks. So, Do you have to have it loaded? I assume that's the case, that you have to be able to defend yourself, yes. Or okay, I, wonder if, I wonder if there's more or less uh, gun incidents uh, of violence. I doubt it's a. I doubt it's a very uh, populated place, but uh, okay. In that it's an island in the in the north, in the, in the Arctic, but uh, yeah, but yeah, that's the law there, which is you know unusual. I think there's a in the video I was watching. He said there's a, a town in America where you are required to own a gun, but you are not required to carry it. It's more of a. It's more of like a. And plus, they don't really like. They don't really you know really make you know they get too upset about people who don't follow the law it's more of a political gesture than it is like a practical thing mm-hmm. but in this case it's a reaction to the fact that people including children have been attacked and mauled by bears and so they made it a law that you have to be you have to carry okay so do the kids have to carry a gun no okay no. so do the kids always have to be with a person like an adult i think that's the case yeah i think that is the case yeah, okay that makes sense mm-hmm. and if you go there and you do not have a gun. You're just a tourist. You then you have to be on guided tours. You can't just like go off wandering on your own. Okay, but you go and you bring your own gun. Bob's your uncle. Have a good time. <laughs> Bob is my father. You're right. Now, uh, but okay. So a polar bear. That's not a handgun situation, right? That's 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 a bigger gun to deal with a polar bear. Otherwise, you've just made a polar bear mad. <laughs> well, I think the per- the point is to try to to scare, keep you know to 
scared off. Like when you with the noise. Yeah, when you were camping, like when you camp in the in the Arctic, you put like you put like wire trip like tra- trap wire or trip wire explosives around your 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 base of your camp, and that purpose of that is when the bear stumbles into them it makes a loud noise and hopefully it'll scare them off and if that fails then you have something to fall back on and yes it is you know it is a last resort thing but by the way it's better to have a last resort than no resort yeah i just looked up uh online uh how to survive uh, a polar bear attack sure number one okay there's five steps okay number one that's how far you'll make it five steps uh, yeah four four uh five steps Number number one is yeah. uh, good luck. <laughs> is that what I said? Really? Yeah, they're much harder to scare than brown or black bears. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know, good luck. Okay, number two, don't act like prey. Don't know what that means. So don't don't run. I guess. Don't run because you'll just awaken their 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 uh, instinct to to predate. So right. make yourself look big. Make yeah. a lot of noise. And uh, yeah, if you can. Uh, do like some jazz dancing because they do not typically eat jazz dancers. That's right. So that's not, not part of it. It's too program. confusing to them, and they don't understand jazz hands. Right. Okay, number three. Yeah. Okay, that's your don't. First of all, good luck. Two, okay. don't act like prey. Okay. Three, do act like a threat. Yes. Make yourself big. Make yourself big. Have a gun. Talk about all the polar bears you killed. <laughs> Uh, how much you like eating polar bear meat. Sure, sure. Yes. Uh, talk about how bad you are for the environment. Talk about, like, <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm probably yeah. going to get rid of all of your glaciers within, like, 50 years, fucker. Good yeah. luck. Good luck. That's why I have a, that's why I have a one-man, pl- a one-man play called Why I Eat Polar Bears for Breakfast. So just in such an instance, I can pull that out and do, like, a full performance. of. So number scary. four, yep. use bear spray. Okay. Yeah. And number five, don't give up. Okay. <laughs> that feels it. that feels like a continuation of good luck, but okay. Yeah, yeah. There's no like there's I mean, this whole handgun or what carrying a gun thing on this island is, you know, it's just it's a gesture. Let's let's just say that. All it's right. no less a gesture, I guess, than this this American town where you're required to own a gun. Okay, so here's the thing. Yeah. So polar bears have no natural predators. No, and they actively hunt people. There we go. I think they're one of the only animals on Earth that will actively hunt humans. Mm. But here's the thing. Uh, Like over a long period of time, like we'll we'll follow humans with the aim of killing them. Oh, I don't don't like this at all. (laughs) Um, But here's here's a – let me ask – give you this trivia because it's the kind of thing I do on this show. Uh, And maybe people enjoy this trivia. Maybe they're answering at home and going, oh, I like like these trivia questions. Maybe they're going just – Tell them the damn fact. It's not interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah. other animals aside from man yeah. have been known to kill polar bears. Okay. Name two <sighs> animals okay. that polar bears could run into yeah. and their polar bear lives yeah. uh, that could kill them. Okay. Is one of those like a whale? Not a, not a whale, oh. though you've picked the right first letter for both of the things that it can. Like a walrus, then? Yes, a walrus is one of the things that can kill a polar bear. Wow, I guess they're pretty. Walruses are big. Yeah. Holy cats are big. You don't realize how big they are until you see them in some way that you know there's a something that can bear them to. Yep. Like so a, that is one of the things. Someone's walking around carrying a, a uh, like a big meter stick, then you go, "Oh, well, that's big." Yep. But okay, so walrus is one. Yep. 
And then their natural enemy, of course, everyone knows, is the narwhal. Well, that doesn't begin with a W, <laughs> but okay. It, it, well, it does, because nar, nar is their first name. Are you thinking of the Are you thinking the No, no, I'm thinking of Nar, first name Nar, last name Wall. Oh, okay, very good. Mr. Yeah, Wall. That's fair. First name Nar. Okay, the I other... you're going to say Wallaby for some reason. <laughs> wallaby. <laughs> a lost wallaby. is <laughs> The polar bear's most, most deadly yeah, foe. Yeah, it doesn't know what to, <laughs> what to happen. That's right. <laughs> Nobody expects and the wallaby. wolverine. Yes, yeah, all these W things. But, like, there's one other animal that begins with a W. Okay, one other animal that begins with a W that is a wolf, I guess. That's correct. We have to be a pack, more, a pack of wolves. wolves yeah. than a wolf. Yes. Can I ask you then? It's third. The third per- thing that preys on on polar bears is Liam Neeson with bottles taped to his yes. fingers. That's right. You there. mean William Weeson? <laughs> with his wattles. Yes, that is right. That is. And right. how how long do uh, polar bears live? Polar bears live to be thirty four. They can live to thirty five. That is true. Huh. Yep. So you were one year oddly <laughs> off. I was wrong. <laughs> 34. That's just so weird. Okay. He would have lived to 35, but he smoked. And he went, you know what? You call that living? I don't want to live that extra last year. Where I, like, I like even oh, numbers. Hello. I'm an walking even number around. guy. I can't help it. Yeah, walking around in Stanley Park. I don't want that extra year, he says. It's like, fair enough. I'd leave my habitat out. Leave it out. <laughs> Let it grow full of weeds. You don't know how much has bothered me that I'm the odd-numbered guy in the Sneaky Dragon uh, rotation all these years. That is true, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you want to do our anniversary show, like, you know, episode 501. <laughs> That's right. Let's celebrate that famous uh, highway in, in Ontario. You do like a good highway. I gotta, I gotta tell you, I do understand that. That's, <laughs> that's true. My, my new podcast, Highways of the World. <laughs> oh, but we all have fun. We have fun out here. Hey, here's what I'm doing now, by the way. I'm slapping some of our plugs earlier on in the show. Okay. In case people don't listen to the end. Hey, Dave and I do a book. It's called Sparks. It's for kids, but you should read it as well. Uh, we got two books in the series. One is called Sparks, uh, exclamation mark. One is called Sparks, Double Dog Dare. And uh, it's about two cats dressed up like a dog and save the world. It was a best-selling book in Canada. You should uh, pick it up and get it wherever books are sold. Nina Matsumoto, our friend and third dragon, is the artist. Dave's the colorist. I'm the writer. There. Plug done. First plug done. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> nice. Okay. Hey, did you happen to see... Man, I've re- I'm really going off topic here, but... I- just talking about highways reminded me of this um, little bit of YouTube video I saw. It's very short. It's two guys driving in, an, like they're, they're driving in an armored car, I guess, like an armored van, like a Brinks van. I've seen a still photo of this. I don't know what it's about. Oh, okay. It, like, yeah. So it took place in South Africa, in Pretoria, I think. And it was two guys uh, driving for this armored car company. And there was an attempt to, to do what is called a cash in transit heist. So the, the cash is in the armored car vehicle and it's in transit. And so these guys attempted to, to uh, I guess, knock the, 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 you know, they shot at it. They shot at this van. So you, the basically the, the first video I saw, I just kind of came up on my feet and it was like, you know, it, just called, it referred to the driver as driving like he had balls of steel, which I, I don't know how that would 
help you drive better. But anyway, so his apparently his steel balls helped him. But I have to say, he was like really calm. Like this, you know, like like first they're just driving along, and you know they're driving, and then suddenly there's this this pickup truck comes out of nowhere and starts firing on it, and you can hear the shots being fired, and then oh, you see geez. like you see the window beside the driver, like it has a big like shatter. It doesn't break, but it has like the spidery, you know. Sh- you know, break of a of a car window where you know, I assume these they have bulletproof glass or at least glass that's very strong, because it doesn't get pierced by the bullet, but it shatters. Right. And then there's like all these shots, and but it's kind of weird because you can't really see like what's happening. You just see them driving because it's all internal shot shots. It's a weird kind of situation. And then there's two. You know, the other guy like uh, takes a rifle from the driver. The driver just has a rifle beside him, and he he goes, you know, take my take my rifle. And so this guy. Is holding the rifle. Oh, sorry, sorry about that. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. It's holding the rifle, and then, uh, and you know, they're like, you know, he's driving this and that, and the truck's behind them, and then it's beside them, and it tries to ram into them from the side, and Ooh. it's shooting at them and everything. And oh my god! Yeah, it's really scary. And then, and then they finally like, I guess he at some point he does a U turn, and then he goes, he goes driving towards the pickup truck, and he says to the his his partner, he says. He says, they're going to shoot at us. And then you just all these like pop, 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 pop. And the window beside the, beside the passenger shatters or, you know, gets a big spider, uh, you know, shows it as hit by bullets. And then it, and then, uh, I guess they reach a point where they, they have, they stop. And then the, the one guy, he, well, at first he tries to jump out, but then he realizes, oh, my seatbelt's on. So he has to take his seatbelt off. And then he grabs the, the rifle and he goes out and then the video ends and you're like, oh, I wish I, wish I could see what happens next. This is crazy. And then today they released some more video. It's much shorter, oh, okay. but it shows from the point of view of the, the dash cam of, of, the, of the armored truck. But it's not much more illustrative of what's happening. They do try to, they do have like a shot of the, kind of an insert shot of the guy, the original footage of inside the cab of the armored truck. And then it shows the out, what's happening outside. So you can kind of combine the two but it's not as long and it's not quite as involved so it's harder you, like you see him like race towards the pickup truck and the guys have come out of it i guess they're gonna start shooting at this guy and he decided nope that's not gonna happen i'm just gonna go <laughs> come at you and so he just goes zooming by and almost takes wow. off the door of the truck and and uh and just keeps on driving and they get back in their truck and they go tearing after them and, and try and run them off the road yeah it's real crazy and it's on a busy like freeway like not super busy, but like other cars are on it when this is all happening, so it's uh, pretty nuts. Balls and, of steel. Balls of steel. Yeah, I mean, I, I in the description underneath it said that the driver was a former special ops, like he's an army okay. guy who is like in a, you know, served in some elite um, part of the uh, military. So I assume from that he has some training that, you know, when these things happen, or at least he has a personality, you know, low resting heart rate and all that stuff. So when you know, like I was joking with Lisa when I was showing her it uh, this evening. I said, I said, no, I just imagine me in this, you know. So they start shooting at me. I immediately put the car accidentally into reverse, destroying the transmission and then accidentally roll the window down. You know, so now I'm just exposed and I'm trying to like get the car moving and I end up, you know, turning on the, the windshield wipers and, you know. So, yeah, it's just, you know. I just, I, you know, under pressure, I do not perform well. I actually I get really nervous and, and every, all my training and everything I've ever, ever learned, it just disappears entirely, you know. <laughs> when, uh, when you were working in the parking lot, were, what was your instructions if someone tried to rob you? 
I don't th- I don't think that was ever like uh, mentioned. I mean, I think I mean it's a it was a given. I th- I believe it was a given that we just give all the money. There's no attempt to to protect it. Right, because you they, got a lot of cash there. They don't care about shh. Don't do that. But no, they uh, it's too late now. It's all it's all machines now. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you could. You, I mean, yeah, we did have a lot of money. I mean, I used to. I mean, I used to go to work every day carrying three hundred dollars. So which I wasn't supposed to, but they just had a totally inadequate float there when I worked there. No, sorry, I carried a $100 float. I carried an extra $100. Sorry, not $300. Okay. But uh, then you wanted to make it a, a weird number because you're a weird, a weird number. <laughs> a weird number. No, I, I carried $100 extra. Be- so when at the end of the shift, you took $100 out and put it in your pocket yeah. and walked out, the other guys didn't go, hey. Like, yeah, when they came, it was already gone. <laughs> they didn't even know it was there. Okay, but no one saw you do it. Did they know you were adding 100 bucks to the till? I wouldn't always add it. It was just in my – I had a float that I carried – so if I okay, needed okay. if I needed it I I could I could access it because when I I think I mentioned before when I first started working I told I may have said this on listening party but I, when I first started working at with Impark after after I finished doing the expo stuff I worked for this weird parking lot where people paid a deposit when they went in and then I would ref- uh-huh. I would refund them their unspent amount when they left uh, okay, that's and the free an for system. it was not as odd it was stupid because when people went in they would give you a twenty dollar bill and so you give them <laughs> you know, $15, dollars and change. And when they came back out, you give them more change. So, so yeah. in, in five cars, if you got five twenties, your hundred dollar float was gone. So I started, I started, that's when I was carrying like a, the $300 float. Cause the, I, that place was impossible to keep, keep money in your pocket. And the first time I worked there, I, I ran out of money, like in the first hour of my, and I'm like calling desperately to, to the supervisor. I'm like, I, I have no money here. Like, what, what do I do? And they're like, don't, don't talk about money on the, on the air. And I'm just like, Oh brother, I'm supposed to, <laughs> This is ridiculous. I'm begging customers for their, you know, okay, if I give you a five, can you give me? <laughs> so, so uh, I just resolved from that, that I'll, I'll just, I was going to carry like m- my own money. And so I didn't have to worry about this, you know, like screw the company. And so that's, that's what I did. It turned out like, I didn't, I'm, like that place was a nightmare because every, everyone who worked there was stealing from the company, except for me. But the problem was, is that yeah. every, it, because of that, nothing that I did like, because I was used to working in, in my, like, when I started working for them, I worked for the expo lots. You know, we charged five, let's say we charge $5 a day for parking. And if I had 100 cars come in, I got $500. I would add up my money I got, it would add up to $500, and I would just walk away. There you go. Put it into the, you know, hand it in, leave. This other job, though, at the end of the night, you've got all these tickets of all these different denominations all over the place. And you also got tickets from the guy before you. You know, so you're trying to like sort through this big mess. They're ripping the company off, so they've left you with a mess. And you just say, ah, oh. I remember, I remember just sweating like the first time I tried to to cash out, and it it wasn't adding up properly. And I like went through it like three times, and I was literally like sweating, like like just pouring with sweat because I was I was so like confounded, confused, and also like like just in a panic because I was thinking like, well, they're just gonna fire me because I'm. I'm, it's not even like adding up to anything here. It doesn't make any sense. So, in the end, I just like bundled it all together, just you know, put it through the deposit box at work, and walked away. And just thought, oh well, I'm fired. And as it turned out, I kind of was fired because they fired everyone who worked in that parking lot. Oh, because they're just like, well, someone's stealing, and we're just going to fire everyone. So they did. They just fired me and everyone else. And then, but luckily for me, the the supervisor liked me. So then he. He said, "Don't worry, I'll find you another place." And that's when I started working at Royal Center, and you know where the by the Hyatt there. Mm. 
And that's how I ended. He goes, would you be interested in working a graveyard shift? And I said, would I? Because <laughs> if you've never worked a graveyard shift before, if you, if you think you like to stay up late, then you work a graveyard shift, then you discover you didn't know what that meant. <laughs> you didn't know what that meant at all. Because no, it's, it's not the same. Well, there's choosing to stay up late. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And also you choose to go to bed. Yeah. Like when you're like, oh, I'm a night owl. Yeah. Like you go to bed at three in the morning and then you sleep till 11 or whatever. Yeah. That, sure. You're a night owl or whatever. But when you have to stay up all night long, it's that time like five in the morning, you know, or, 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 or six in the morning, whenever. Like I used to start, it was one till nine. So I started at one in the morning and worked till nine in the morning. And when you would hit like five in the morning, that was like the, the worst time. Like there's nothing you could do to, that would keep you awake. You couldn't read. If you were like, even if you did paperwork, I would just fall asleep with my with my hand like writing. <laughs> I would wake up and it'd be like this tiny dot where my hand sat, and it's sort of like just the nervous, you know, like your nerves. You know, you, you can never actually sit perfectly still. So my hand would draw this little circle on the paper, <laughs> and I'd wake up. Oh, oh, okay, carrot, continue on. Yeah, it was just, yeah, it was crazy. Like you just, you can't. Your body just doesn't know what to do. Like if you're if you're not used to working graveyard shifts. Once you get used to it, then it's not so bad. But at first, when you start doing it, you're like, oh, yeah, I love staying up late. <laughs> but not this late. <laughs> <laughs> what was I saying? Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> I, li- I, like being, I, like, I like lateness, but yeah, it's got to be uh, by choice. Yeah. If you take the choice out of it, it's, uh, it's, a rough, uh, it's a rough go. Sure. I mean, if you've ever like stayed awake on like a bus trip or something like that where you, you couldn't fall asleep. Yeah, it could, <laughs> you can't fall asleep because it's awful, right? And you're just like sitting there and it, it gets really late and, and you can't do anything. Like you can't read. You can't, you, you know, it's not, there's nothing to do. You know, like these were, you know, I'm talking about the days before like phones and stuff like that. So you're just, but even a phone, you're going to fall asleep with it in your hand and just, you know, be there with your head hanging over your chest drooling <laughs> wake up with a sore neck and one time i woke up at the parking lot and this person had grabbed my foot because i was like i fell asleep with my my foot up on the windowsill like my feet yeah. up on the windowsill like i was just reading and I had my feet up and i fell asleep and then this person came along and there he was and he grabbed my feet and started like shake shaking my foot and i woke up to this person like laughing and shaking my foot and it was like kind of terrifying you know because you're just like what is happening <laughs> And then the guy just walked away, like laughing. He like pointed back to me, like, <laughs> "What a great joke, right?" <laughs> no, I'm still having. Ooh. Oh, okay. yeah. He, he, he was just pulling your leg. <laughs> he sure was. <laughs> there was a man who was a literal in everything yeah. he did. I mean, if he'd said "shake a leg," that would have been that's ah, okay, <laughs> also good. But if he said nothing, that's a problem. That's I know he didn't. He didn't say. They just thought it was hilarious that I'd been asleep, which you know it was like five in the morning or some horrible time like that. Of course I'm asleep. Why are you awake, sir? Get out of here. Luckily, he didn't steal money or anything, which I guess he could have, I guess. Yeah, I'm not a, yeah, I don't like uh, staying up. Past, I, I can't stay up past a certain point now. Like it's not, and I don't mean like, it used to be like, uh, okay, so you're staying up late and you got to do something. Mm-hmm. And now oh, I'm starting to feel sleepy. Okay, well, but you got to stay up later. Okay, I'll stay up a little later. Okay, now I'm feeling sleepy. At that point, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> like, it's just going to happen. Like, yeah. I'm just going to sit for like three seconds out and I'm going to be deep into a dream and then I'll wake up and I'll just go, okay, so here's the situation. I dreamt <laughs> only monkeys could do math, but they wanted us to race. And I'm like, what? what? What are you talking about? I just had a big dream about all this stuff. You were asleep for like 10 seconds. Well, 
I don't know what to tell you. That's what happened. <laughs> those are the those are the weirdest dreams. Yeah, it just goes right. I go to dream immediately, <laughs> and then it goes into this surreal thing. The the weirdest is when it's like blends reality and that. Ugh. That's really hard to snap out of it. I used to get those sort of waking dreams that I would drive home from doing sneak, uh, like a late sneaky dragon, and I would mm, I'd drive I, it. I, I, yeah, I'd be driving, and, and I would have this thought in my head, like, remember when people when robots came and they like took over the world? And I'd be like, wait a second, that never happened. What am I? What am I thinking? That's not real. But in my mind, in my mind, it would become like real, you know. Yeah. Because you're tired and your brain kind of goes into this little. Because when you're, you know, driving, the problem with driving is it's very hypnotic. So you you can put yourself in this sort of state of, I guess, easily suggestible, and your mind starts, you know, kind of going in its own place. And then you're, you, but then you come out of it and you're like, no, that's not real. What am I? There was, they never changed the, they never changed the constitution. So it talked about canned fish. <laughs> it's weird things like that. Yeah, it's strange. I, I don't. Know. I I well, you're right. I mean, like. uh this is happening a couple days hence, but listening party is late this week because we recorded late. We couldn't record till till Tuesday because Mary wasn't feeling well on, on. We were busy on the weekend, and then Mary wasn't feeling well on Monday, so that li- limited my my editing night till one night. And so I was editing last night, and I was literally like waking up with the show still playing, and then I'd be like, "Oh, okay, gotta stay awake. Come on, Dave, you can do this. Slap, slap. Come on." And then do a little bit more, and then I would just fall asleep. And the problem is, I would wake up, and then I have to go back again because you know, I'm while I'm listening, I'm inserting songs into like where they belong in the show, and I'm missing all these cues. So then I have to go back and find find these cues to insert the songs. And and ugh. And then I was working on it tonight before before we started the show. I was doing it, and I looked at the clock, and it was I think it was eight twelve or something like that. And I'm like, okay, good. It's putting some songs into it. Listen to the show editing, and then I woke up, and it was. <laughs> Like ten to nine, I'm like, oh, fuck! I gotta call Ian. So, oh my god, yeah, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, when you just start, when you get tired, and then the problem with doing stuff when you're tired, though, is that you you kind of condition your your mind to want to fall asleep when you're doing that thing, mm. you know? Because now your brain is like, oh yeah, when we do this, I get tired. You're like, no, no, that's that's not a good idea, brain. I'm trying to do some work here. Stop it. So yeah, it's uh, it's not good. One thing, one thing that happens to me when I do the quick out dreams is I will then remember all of these dreams I've had for the last 40 years. I'll just remember them completely, like all these worlds that are deep, rich, full worlds. And the second I wake up, I'm like, yeah, it's gone. It's gone. I completely forgot it. Yeah. But I'll remember like all these jobs I did and people I knew and things that happened and all this stuff. And it's just like I've got this subconscious that's like right underneath the surface mm-hmm. that I that cannot – the second you bring it above the surface, it'll be forgotten and it turns to vapor. It just will not, uh, it will not survive up here. But this, the second I like dip down, oh, I remember it all. There it is. Okay, yeah, 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 that, that, that. I'm back up. Nope, gone. But I remember <laughs> that I forget it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting. Like that's one of the things I'd like to do someday through hypnosis or you know maybe a deep meditation is to try and like connect with that occasionally i'll wake up from a dream and i will i will draw the landscape as best i can okay on like a very very elaborate landscape for what vancouver looks like in my dreamscape <laughs> and uh, yeah cool all the things it connects to yeah i don't know with hypnosis i feel like there's so much suggestion in it it's hard to trust mm. it's hard to trust what you if you're just being it's it's part of the suggestion of the person hypnotizing you or if it's you actually are accessing things that let me ask you this, mm-hmm. as again, because this is the thing I do, is ask questions. 
Um, is uh, I always thought like you know if if Harry Potter was real, okay, and there was a wizarding world that was out there, yeah, and there were real spells, sure. The the most people would they still shit on the floor? That's the question everyone's been and asking. They shit on the well, they used to, and then they got supposed. <laughs> um, but like, uh, would people learn the spells and stuff, or is like, eh, it's too much work? And to me, I think of things like you know uh, hypnotism. Yeah, it's like hypnotism is a real thing. Like it's not, it's not exactly what we say. It's like karate. Yeah. It exists, but it doesn't exist like it does. <laughs> yes, you're right. It's you a just very handy guy, and yeah. he's immediately knocked out. And same, like you can't just look up at a person and go sleep, and then like immediately go sleep. <laughs> but yeah. the, but it is real to but, a degree, yeah. Yeah, but to enough of a degree. Not not everyone can be hypnotized, but yes. Fair so, enough, but yeah. uh, so what? Like, it's just such an amazing thing. <laughs> you would think yeah. more people would go, I'll, I'll give it a try. I'll learn that. Yeah. Sure. Let's, uh, well, why wouldn't I want to learn that? Like, just the idea that, like, you could maybe hypnotize a person, should you need to. Mm. Oh, that sounds like an interesting skill to have in the old back pocket. Uh, and yet, <laughs> nope, no interest at all. Nope. And this thing that, you know, you theoretically could, you know, make a person stop smoking or you could stop, get yourself to lose weight lose your fear of something, uh, you know, all these things. Yeah. Nope. I don't know. No interest. I don't know how actually effective it is for those things, though. But I know. you don't even think about it. Like, it's, not, it's yeah. not a question of, like, I don't think this is effective. Yeah. You just think, like, nope, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I have no interest in learning hypnotism. <laughs> Why? Doesn't that sound magical and amazing? Yeah. Like, but, if you're a kid and someone sure. told you, would you like to learn hypnotism? Yeah. And then, all right, at what point does that become a dumb idea? Well, because are you wouldn't aren't you more excited about the idea that you could push a sword into a box with a woman inside it then? Because isn't hypnotism just a is in those sort of circumstances more of a trick than it is an actual thing that you're as a, you, as a kid? Then I'd be happier that I could convince a pretty lady yeah. to wear a nice outfit and join me in a show. I'd be like, oh, we're friends. This is nice. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, we've I think we've learned from like like the whole recovered memory nightmares of the '90s that it's hypnotism has a real like dangerous element to it that it's not i don't think we have that's the thing like <laughs> what do you there's, mean? Enough, there's enough you know of that that you know in in you know, you, you know what i'm talking about that people will bring stuff up and it's immediate well if you remember it then it's real like maybe or it's good to know that sometimes it isn't and that there's things yeah. that can make you think that things happened that did not denying someone's you know calling people liars but you know there are ways that you can remember things that didn't happen you know, that's good to know, but we don't care about that. We don't study that. So well, that's not we do study it, though. I mean, they have done studies into the uh, the effectiveness of hyp- hypnosis, and it's, that, it's not that effective in terms of recovering memory because it, the person is in a hypnotic state, so they're they're suggestible. That's what hypnosis is, it's not uncovering things that are there. It's, it's you're implanting things yeah, in, in that state. Like it's not so, something that you would study in... Like you would not, this would not be a normal thing in a curriculum at school. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it'd be one of the things like, oh, by the way, yeah. you should maybe know this thing. Of like, you but know, I, this history is all I know. subjective. Maybe we should talk about the things that might make it subjective. But I'm just, what I, but what I'm saying is that we have studied it, and and that's why it's 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 kind of been. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's sort of been de- it's sort of been debunked as a as an effective therapeutic tool. And so I I think it exists it exists in the same realm to me as as uh you know like I 
uh, putting a woman in a box and cutting her in half or or whatever you know it's just it's a it's a carnival trick and that's where it's most most effective you know it doesn't really have like real life implications like you couldn't like hypnotize a group of soldiers into thinking that they're fish so they could swim farther you know that just it just doesn't work that way right so you know in the harry potter universe you're saying are you saying like in the harry potter universe hypnotism would be real or are you just saying like why don't we treat hip- hypnosis as if it were real like we were living in a magical world i i think people okay so you know, I, I, you know, I went to see a magician show. Sure. It was like a Mandrake show. Yeah, yeah. So Mandrake the magician. Yeah. And uh, and and he brought up, and this is just my memory as a teen. Sure. He brought up uh, six teenagers. Yeah. And he took out a fifty dollar bill. Okay. And he put a fifty dollar bill on the ground, ten feet in front of the kids, or whatever it was. Yeah. Meters, I don't know. And then said something to all the kids, and these are jerk ass kids. <laughs> yeah. Right. And he said, like, hey, uh, first person who picks that up gets it. And they all of them had their feet stuck to the floor. They couldn't move. Huh. Couldn't move. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so there's something that he's doing here. Yeah. And these kids aren't all being great sports. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like, yeah, there, there's some jerks there. How is this going down? How is this going down? Yeah. You know, um, something's, something's occurring. What is it? Yeah. Yeah. Why, you know? Like, I, I don't know. Just There's the basic it, idea of like the idea that sure. someone like Ravine mm-hmm. can can do these gigantic shows. Yeah, and the whole thing is, hey, maybe people will be nice and fake that it works. Maybe. <laughs> not, I mean, that's not the case. That is the so case, though. That, don't know. Yeah, everyone's yeah. faking it. Well, that, I mean, that like mesmerism and stuff like that. It's people are faking it. it. Does it? Yes, it doesn't work. It doesn't work the way that we we think of it. Yeah. No, I understand that. Yeah. But something works. Mm. So, like, you know, you get twenty people on stage, sure, and say to all of them, you know, yeah, you're all babies. Mm-hmm. Are all twenty of them going? You know what? I'm down with pretending to be a baby. Okay. Yeah, you got it. Not one of them is going like, I'm going to show this fuck. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know all the art to to mesmerism yeah, and things like that. There's something to it, and there's something to it that's enough that other people do it, and like enough people do it that it's a thing and it's an occupation. Yeah, magic is you know deception. Yeah, yeah, and and misdirection. Sure. What is then? I guess my question to you then is, what is stage hypnosis? If it's not, <laughs> this, it's not what it seems to be. I will yeah, agree yeah. with yeah. that. Then what is it? That can make a room full of people or a stage full of people yeah. who you have not met mm-hmm. act in a way that would not be the way they would normally do yeah. and make themselves look like goofs. How? How <laughs> but, I, but isn't that magic? And in, in, like when a person is invited up on stage in any magic act, they could be an asshole and wreck the trick. Possibly. But not many people do that. People go along with it. They they allow the card to get forced okay, on them. So they allow there's you know, something that the, the magician knows about the people that they're picking, a, a quality that they see maybe. That, that is, is how they do yeah. it and they bring them up. Like I can Could see be. like when you're picking a volunteer for the audience, mm-hmm. you can look and you can see, because usually the volunteer portion of the audience is deeper into the show than the first trick. Yeah. So you have had a chance as the magician to look into the audience and see this person's reaction to the various tricks you've done so far. They haven't been whispering going, nice one. <laughs> 
like, okay, we're well, not going to get that guy. You're going to get the person who seems to be delighted, yeah, enjoying yeah. it, and going, oh, yeah. and it's like, oh my, where'd the rabbit come from? Yes, you'll pick that guy. That's the person. Sure. Take them up and then whisper yeah. to them, go out to the back point. Yeah, maybe that, like, oh, okay. maybe that group of teenagers on stage, they were invited on stage because they weren't sitting like you with your arms crossed, scowling, you know? Look, here's is this because you're? Are you jealous that you didn't get a chance to get that fifty dollars oh, bill? So, I'm so jealous I couldn't do a county fair. Um, here's all I could think is like when yeah. the kids, like, even if you had the kids come up mm-hmm. and said to them and put like twenty bucks on the floor in front of them, yeah, and then said to them, like, and just brought one kid up and said to him, "Listen, I'll give you fifty bucks if you if you pretend your feet are stuck." <laughs> like you can just say that quickly to him. I was like, "Oh, yeah, I'll take fifty bucks. All right." And then the kid pretends his feet are stuck. Yeah, all right, that's a good trick. That all works. But you, but you get a number of kids. Like you can't give them all a hundred bucks to not get the fifty bucks. Hmm. And also, one of them is going to yap afterwards. Yeah. And and spill the beans. So something's going on there. Yeah. And like, I'm curious what that what that is. Well, let me tell you. I happen to uh, know the daughter of Mandrick the magician. So she also uh, often you, okay. she often comes to no fun shows. So the next time I see her, I'll ask her. I used to date oh. his assistant. Oh really? And uh, and you're trying to worm no your close. <laughs> so I will not ask her. <laughs> you spent too much time trying to worm the secrets of Mandrick the magician from her from his assistant, and you alienated okay. her. All right, and uh, let's. Uh... Hope it's not the same person. I just think I think it's <laughs> no. This was his daughter, not not his uh, not his assistant. Okay. Right. She went to school with uh, David M. Okay, very good. So yeah, I'm just uh, like you know, I my feelings about magic are this that I do not know how they do all the tricks, but I always assume in a, med- a magician's act that they are not actually doing the magic. That there is a there is a trick that i don't know to what they're doing mm-hmm. that is making that trick work whether it's you know a yeah. guy in a tank of water trying to trying to well the person sure. outside is trying to get people to guess what the card is or you know the classic you know uh, vanishing box or whatever i just assume that that you know the person inside the box you know exits the box in some very prosaic way and just appears in another part of the stage equally prosaically that they aren't magically Literally magically transported. That's right. Yeah. But here's the thing. You know, Mm -hmm. okay. You have, you're an adult man. Yeah. With adult man hands. (laughs) Um, I don't know what that matters, but you're right. They are. Yeah. You can open a jar uh, without asking for help. Um, Okay. But in your life, you've seen magicians. I have seen them. Right. And so when you see a magician perform, Mm -hmm. you watch the show and you don't go, for the most part, you don't go, geez, how the, how did you do it? Yeah. Like, because you in your life yeah. have figured some stuff out. Like, the person gets in the box, yeah. you kind of got an idea, and maybe over time, someone has said how stuff happened. I watched Penn and Teller specials. I've learned yeah, the, some Penn of the tricks of the trade. special, or, you know, the magician <laughs> yeah. who yaps his mouth off or some shit. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yet, yet, you have also gone through your life. And you now, and me, and I have a real interest in magic. Mm-hmm. I don't know how hypnotism is pulled off. <laughs> I have no idea. No, I don't really know either. But I, I know do. How brainwashing works. Sure. I know. I know a lot of techniques. 
for I can cold read someone pretty good. I can do a lot of shit, but I don't know how to take six people up, put a fifty dollar bill in front of them, say, "Hey, first person <laughs> wants it, get it," and yeah. then make their their feet sticky. I don't sure. know how that shit works at all. Yeah, but to to be fair, I don't know the tricks that 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 people who like make you know uh, like fortune tellers on stage. I don't know all the tricks they use either you could to probably, figure out. You could probably figure it out. Because there's a route, there's a route to that that is a trick that you've probably seen another person do, and there's a variation on it. Like if someone comes out with the big predicto, and he's got an envelope, <laughs> and no one touched this envelope, sure. and I got to put this envelope in a chair, and now we're just going to have a conversation, and now I'm opening the envelope, and the thing you said is all it was over there. I predicto, yeah, okay, that's <laughs> the basic trick. Or, sure, you know, sure. That orange that you know I put in here is going to open up, and there's going to be a card in it. Yeah, you know that. That's fine. But you don't know how, you know, 20 people on stage, you're all chickens. How? How's that work? So what is the name of that Canadian mesmerist? Uh, not Mandrake, Ravine. but what's that? Sorry? R- not Ravine. Ravine. Not Ravine. No, no. There's okay, another uh, one. Kreskin. Yes, Kreskin. That's right. The amazing Kreskin. So there's a guy who, you know, for a long time was just, you know, carny level mesmerist you know doing that kind of those kind of tricks doing right. you know predictions and, and fortune telling and stuff like that and at some point in his career he he made this switch where then he started instead of just you know just saying i'm a magician it's you know it's stage tricks he started saying that he was had these actual skills he was an actually like a psychic and uh, he could no be- no no he never said he was a psychic okay he always presented himself. I'm looking at his Wikipedia page. Okay, well, okay. By the way, I'm doing this. Sure, sure. Um, by the way, he was inspired to become a hypnotist because of Mandrake. Yes, that's right. I, sorry. Um, uh, but uh, he always said he was an entertainer, never a psychic. Only operates on the basis of suggestion, and he he never connected his work to the paranormal or to the supernatural. Oh, okay, then I, I, I miss I miss because uh, I thought I read somewhere that he had started to claim that his um I remember I think it was uh, James Randi who was saying that that he yeah. had started to claim that he actually was uh you know psychic and it wasn't just stagecraft and of course Randi then posited his famous his famous uh test that he that was you know you get a you know a bunch of like fellow skeptics contributed to like Penn and Teller and stuff like that and made it like a million dollar you know prize you could get if you could prove your what you that your claims were actually psychic and that you could follow, you could like pass some sort of double blind test or whatever they had concocted. Okay. So here was, here was his, uh, like a controversy with Kreskin. Okay. So in 2002, Kreskin made a prediction. There would be a mass UFO sighting over Las Vegas on June 6th. Okay. And he gave the hours uh, that would happen between nine 45 and midnight. Yeah. It would be witnessed by thousands of people. He also stated if there was no sighting, he would donate $50,000 to a charity. Hundreds of people camped out, yet no sighting occurred. On June 8th, hey, yeah. my birthday, yeah. uh, Kreskin appeared in the opening segment of the Coast to Coast radio show to explain what happened. And what he did was he uh, he, he said that uh, the sighting prediction was a total fabrication in order to prove people's uh, susceptibility to suggestion uh. post 9-11. He was concerned that a terrorist with the skills of a mentalist like himself could pull a similar stunt involving something much worse. He stated that the predicted sighting was only an experiment, and when he was asked about the $50,000, he claimed there was indeed a sighting since that night, uh, he said glowing green orbs were supposedly spotted in the sky just for midnight <laughs> and reported by witnesses. Yeah. And so, yeah, he said he didn't have to pay, and uh, that did not go over very well. <laughs> 
Uh huh. Yes. And he that... also he also used to claim he claimed in 1973 that Hitler used hypnotic techniques in his speeches, uh, the torchlight parades, and the somber drum beating being evidence of this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, that's I think that's where I kind of got a negative. I. This, I liked him better when he was, you know, just a hack rather than when he started yeah, trying to. Yeah, he had a weird little CTV show that was not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I liked him fine. I liked him fine. Um, as but, as that weirdest of creatures, a skeptical Christian, I uh, I yeah, I just prefer prefer magicians to admit that it's that it's all for fun and it's not not I actually don't, real. I don't see any times <laughs> that he has said. Yeah. That uh, it, you know, that he, you know, was was real sure. magic. Sure. Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know the. Uh, I didn't know that part of the. Most because I didn't. You know, obviously, I never listened to Coast uh, Coast to Coast. No. Nope. Not being a show that I. I think people should go on to try and debunk <laughs> F UFOs. On <laughs> feels like the wrong audience. Uh, I'm looking now too. By the way, of Ravine because my friend Roman did go on stage once. Okay. And uh, and and uh, and. He was not hypnotized, mm. and he uh, he as Ravine came by him the second time, he whispered to him, uh, "I'm not hypnotized. Should I just leave?" And Ravine went, "Yeah, get out of here." And, <laughs> and, and left the stage. So and, maybe that's and then later he played Crevasse the Impossibleist on his TV show. Okay, yeah, inspired by that because Crevasse is a Ravine, so that was a, just a joke. Yes. Yeah, fun. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think that's a good example there. I mean, if maybe if you watch like um, a group of people on stage who had been hypnotized, and you know, uh, to do something, if you looked at the entire group of people, there might be some people who were just awkwardly standing there, not maybe. sure what to do. But your your brain kind of unselects those people from your memory, and you just remember the fantastic sight of people thinking they were chickens walking around on stage. But you you just kind of ignore the fact that there were also people just sort of awkwardly standing there, not sure. Whether they yeah, should maybe, leave or not. Maybe you would not notice the guy not chickening it up with the prequel, yeah. chickening it down front. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think if there's any excuse for someone to take off their pants, <laughs> they'll, they'll, someone will take off their pants. That's true. You know, hey, that, anyone out there uh, been hypnotized? Yeah, let uh, us know. There we go. That's a question for, the, for this time. Has anyone, anyone ever been hypnotized? Uh, what was it like? Have you gone to a hypnosis show? What was that like? Mm-hmm. Like that. Yeah. How's this shit work? What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I just I I do think there's a certain amount of of willingness of of certain people in the audience to either sure. put on a show themselves, you know, and here's an opportunity to get some attention, you know, or there are people who are really are susceptible to suggestion, very easily can be very easily manipulated in that kind of setting. But I, you know, like I say, I think that. Hypnosis as a as a tool of 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 uh, like a, as a tool of like for like psychologists or psychiatrists, I think has been really um, debunked. There are still people who do it, you know, but there are also people who still do horrible things like rebirthing uh, therapy and stuff like that, which is also you know has killed people. So you know, it's like there's all kinds of of quacks and and people out there and charlatans who operate, you know, with 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 uh, some sort of like. A certain degree of medical, and I put that in quotation marks, uh, expertise. So, you know, I just like I think uh, you know, f- as much as we want to like say believe the witnesses, you know, I I, can't, I just I'm not going to buy you know a six year old story of 
being taken to a cave and where they were, you know, told to kill their brother and stuff like that. And their brother's still alive, you know, like those are, you know, those are just made up, make them up stories that were, you know, through suggestion, you know, and these people, a lot of people who went through like the satanic panic of the eighties and, and early nineties still believe those stories that they were forced to make up by, by, you know, people who are, whether they were well-meaning or mani- manipulative, uh, you know, uh, whatever you want to call them, some sort of evil person, <laughs> you know, whether, you know, for good or a bad, you know, they, they still believe these things, you know, they still believe that they were, their preschool was a, a satanic cult that, you know, where they were killing children and they're buried in the, in the schoolyard and stuff like that. And, you know, police were digging up schoolyards looking for the skeletons of these kids and stuff, you know, like, you know, I remember there's a town in Saskatchewan where like the sheriff was arrested and a bunch of people were arrested in the town over like all this, you know, you know, made up, uh, eyewitness testimony of, uh, from people who are, you know, uh, recovering memories or whatever, you know, and it's just, it was all, all obviously all bogus, you know, it's just part yeah. of this, this insane, uh, this insane mania of, of this time period. And, but the people who were caught in it, a lot of them still think it was real. Like they, they, they totally stand by their, their testimony, you know, but it just, all the physical evidence and all, and reality itself has proven, Proved, you know, proved, proved it wrong, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what people think on Twitter because I think that's the way. <laughs> that's the place to go the to for this. Comes out. <laughs> that's the place to go for this. Yeah, I think yeah. like people in short bursts, uh, <laughs> given their two bits, uh, you'll you'll get you'll, you'll get a good, nice, deep understanding of the that, yeah. elements, and things will change for the better. Well, that's you know, Twitter's uh, Twitter's motto: "The cream rises to the top." Is always. Uh, you know, it's just always proven over and yeah, over again. As does, as does other things. Yeah, lots of things rise to the top. Apparently. Of course, if you don't weigh it down, that will rise to the top. That's the thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, when I was... By the way, oh, sorry. sorry, I was just going to say real quick. Penn and Teller did do a bullshit episode about this, so I should probably watch that and see. Yeah, I, man, I, I don't know if I... I kind of... Um, I really like that show up to a point, and then I stopped watching it. Cause it yeah, Penn's voice, you can only hear for so long. <laughs> and also felt kind of like, it also started feeling like sort of desperate, like they were just looking for, this is bullshit. Mm-hmm. How okay. about recycling? Does that make sense? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, I guess the way you're saying it, but at the same time, every little bit helps. Like, just, you know, is it good to help old ladies across the street? Are we really helping them? Shouldn't they learn to fend for themselves? It's not. It's not hurting. Let's let's just. Let's you know, going. they already did for much of their lives. So <laughs> it doesn't seem wrong to help people. I, I just don't know. put her in a barrel and stick a sword through her. That's what you do best. <laughs> That's why we have you here. <laughs> we want to see blood. Blood, I tells you. Yeah. Yes, I think for me it was the circumcision one. Where I was just kind of like, is this really like a thing to be <laughs> getting mad about? Okay, have at it, fellas. Yeah, have when, all the fun um, in the world. Whenever they were having the no car days, there was always the anti-circumcision tent that was out, <laughs> and it was like, I don't know. Okay, <laughs> sure. like there's an argument to be made, <laughs> sure, but I don't know if this is part of a festival. <laughs> seems kind of seems kind of weird. The lemonade and the hot dogs, like uh, like yeah. I don't know. I get it, but I'm not sure. Like, what are you giving away? Do you have a pamphlet? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yes, but okay. 
I, I'll try one on, but no, you're not. That's not how it works. Okay, fine. Then I'm just going to keep walking. Well, maybe I was a, maybe I was a jerk for asking. Excuse me, I was trying to get a lemonade. Did I just get the biggest lemonade you got? Just give me a big fucking lemonade. Just let me talk to you for a while. Will like, give me a lemonade? I don't know what they had. Maybe that's, I don't know. Okay, and so on and so forth. Anyway, I don't go to free, no car car day anymore. <laughs> you don't go to no car day anymore. No, just a lot of people do it. Around. I just don't do it. it. Seems it seems impractical anyway. It's a nice dream, I suppose. But yeah, no, the, I mean, there's a lot of nice aspects to it. The sure. most fun thing was when um, they set up uh, a trampoline right outside my office window, <laughs> and I literally was looking out the window at someone just like their head popping up <laughs> and like looking in on me. I'm like, what? <laughs> it was like a Simpsons episode. Like, oh! <laughs> What's going on? It was it was human nice balloons. Yeah, for this one day, if there was a fire in the building, I would survive. <laughs> I would just jump out that way. Well, I'd probably bounce off it. Actually, physics wise, yeah, I get horribly injured, but I would survive. You would survive. Yeah. You know, once again, some is better than nothing. Yeah, as long as I know how to love, I know I'll stay alive. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, part number two of plugs. Oh, okay. Plugs, 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 yeah. plugs. Yeah. Hey, uh, I do you like uh, uh, beating the devil at his own game? You do. Uh, that's good stuff. Um, well, you might like a, a series of comics that I've written called Exorcisters, about two sisters that will help you in case you make a deal with the devil. They're called Exorcisters. That's what the book is called. And the collections are called uh, Damned If You Don't and Kick of the Darkness. They are also available in your local bookstore. There you go. You should uh, pick them up if you get a chance. And Dave, yeah. this is not the only podcast you do, is that correct? You are correct. We were talking about a few minutes ago. I do another and podcast here on the Sneaky Dragon uh, Network <laughs> uh, called Sneaky Dragon Listening Party with my daughter Mary. It is a music podcast. We listen to music, talk about music, talk about the history of the songs we play. I sometimes do little mini docs about about bands that I like or things that inspire me to, to dig deeper into the stories of these bands and... Uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. A lot of music. Some of it's good. Some of it's maybe not to your taste, but you know what? It's kind of like the weather here in Vancouver. Don't worry. The, the next bus will come. Is that what it's saying? Yeah, that's exactly right. It's available at <laughs> yeah. com Or wherever you find your podcasts. Exactly. Um, real fast, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we'll get to other things, but I was wondering if you'd be down with doing uh, three uh, of, of our Nancy uh, uh, puzzles uh, this, this week. Oh, sure, sure. Okay, so what we do, because I'm kind of enjoying these, yeah. is uh, I, I take some random Nancy comics yeah. from the past, mm -hmm. many, many years ago, you know, and, uh, and, and I give Dave the setup, uh, and then he has to tell me what the last panel is, because he enjoys a Nancy, an Ernie yeah. Bushmiller Nancy, not because these are the modern Nancy comics, yeah. which are fine. They're good. they're good, they're good, but these are different. Yeah, these, yeah you can yeah. find them on Go Comics, where you can also find Mannequin on the Moon, Done by me and yeah. my wife, Kate, if you want to check that out. But yeah, uh, there you can also find the old classic Nancys there, too. Sure. So what I do is I hit a random button, okay. I get a random okay. Nancy cartoon, and then try to get uh, give Dave as much description as I can, sure. see if he can get this one. And the first one I have picked yeah. is a tricky one. Oh, okay. Start it off hard. So All it's right. a three-paneler. Oh, three panels, okay. Uh, there is a gentleman who looks like a sign maker. Okay. And he has got a bucket of paint. And he has got a tennis racket, a round, perfectly round tennis racket. Okay. And he's walking up to a wall. Nancy yeah. is turning her head as a question mark over her 
Okay. Yeah. She does not know what's going on. Yeah. Panel number two. Okay. The person has now got a black brush out and is now painting through the tennis racket. Yeah. He is splashing uh, out. Okay, there we go. So that is what they have done. Yeah. The third panel, Nancy is happily looking at what is now on the wall as the gentleman, smiling, walks away. Uh, it is a sign for something, I will tell you that much. Yeah. What is it a sign for? Is it a sign for a Waffle House? It is Wimple's Waffles, Dave. Yes. Wow. Well done, you. <laughs> oh, I did not think I was, I underestimated you. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for underestimating okay. me. All right. I just want to point out before we go to the next one that these these cartoons date back to the time when the author of Zach Hill thought car- comics were funny. <laughs> yes, yes indeed. <laughs> four paneler. All right, four panelers. Okay. Four paneler. All right. I'm going to have to give you all of the descriptions of what's going on. All right. Um, basically, here for this to make sense. First panel: Nancy is walking back from apparently school. She has her school books. She is very worried. Sweat beads are shooting off her head. Okay. She is now in the house. Yeah. Sweat beads are shooting off her head. Mm-hmm. She has her finger to her mouth. She is planning something. Mm. She is now looking around, third panel, looking around a curtain. Uh, there's a curtain somehow in the doorway. I don't know why. And saying, oh, Aunt Fritzy. And she's concerned. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Nancy is holding up a hairbrush with a piece of paper in it, like jammed in it. Yeah. And Fritzy is going, whoa. And Nancy is presenting this to her, yeah. a little worried. What is Nancy saying, and what is in the hairbrush? What is Nancy saying, and what is in the hairbrush? Okay. By the way, this is something similar to what we discussed on last week's show. <laughs> That's not help, but okay. Uh, let's see if I can remember that. Um, okay, she's got a hairbrush. Yeah, she's concerned. She's coming back from school. Yeah. She's worried. And now she's she has jammed a piece of paper into this hairbrush. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and and is, is presenting it to Aunt Fritzy, who is shocked by this. And, is it her? Uh, is it her? Is it her report card? Yes. This is Nancy saying, "Here's my report card. Mm-hmm. It is all D's." <laughs> she is presenting the hairbrush. Yeah. For she is about to be Good. beaten. <laughs> You know what? Mm-hmm. You're not going to get this one, so so I'm gonna I'm gonna get uh, no 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 we'll no no do, no we'll do it anyway we'll do no, it anyway we'll do it but we're gonna I'm gonna give you a real one for the last one because there's no way okay there's no way all right you're getting this one I'm just curious now you're no way getting this one all right okay so Aunt Fritzy is on, this is quite the opposite to the last one all right Aunt Fritzy is on the phone sure uh, and she's looking very pretty in a frilly dress saying mm. hello Miss Adams how is Nancy doing in school. And then the next one, uh, the teacher says on the line, wonderful. She got an A in everything today. Okay. So uh, we can see that it's winter outside. All right. Final panel. Nancy is coming home. She is delighted by what she sees. Aunt Fritzy is in the window. Looking out the window, uh, Nancy cannot see Aunt Fritzy yet. Something is, uh, Nancy's looking towards the door to the house. Yeah. What else is there on the lawn? Is it a snowman? It is multiple snowmen. There are four snowmen. What are the snowmen doing? Um, are they multiple snowmen? So, okay. So, sorry. So, this the in the in this card. So, the first panel is the teacher is calling. No, it is uh, it is uh, Fritzy Aunt Fritzy calling the teacher on the phone. Oh, she's calling the teacher Hello, on the phone. Hello, Miss Adams. How's yeah. Nancy doing in school? Teacher replies, "Wonderful. She got an A in everything today." Yeah. 
panel delighted Nancy as looking at these snowmen. Yeah. And Fritzy is looking out the window smiling. And what are the snowmen doing? So I, I'm going to guess that they are like cheering for her or whatever. Like. I'm going to turn over all the cards. Uh, <laughs> snowmen have swords raised, uh, like as in a military style, okay. uh, that, that Nancy will then walk through to the door. That is very weird. Yep. You're right. So I wouldn't like have, I couldn't have guessed. I got close though. I got close, but not. You did. It's like thinking that Aunt Fritzy took the time to then go out and make four <laughs> snowmen. That's right. That have, that have snow swords raised over their. Yeah, I guess they're broomsticks. I would assume. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess they're broomsticks. Yeah. I, I, I it does seem like a lot of work. Like, really, I think Nancy would have been more pleased if Aunt Fritzy had like baked her a pie. Right. Okay. So let's. Let's do one more that makes sense. Okay, here we go. So, uh, panel number one. Oh, a lot of shit's going down here, Dave. <laughs> okay. A lot of shit's going down. Uh-oh. Nancy and Sluggo yeah. are looking at the school. Okay. The school, uh, a coal truck has smashed into the school what? and broken the wall. Okay. We can see it smashed like the front part of the coal truck. Yeah. Busted through the wall. There's yeah. debris everywhere. People are surrounding it. They're pointing. Nancy is shocked. Number two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sluggo. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Panel one. Sluggo says, yep, it ran right into the schoolhouse. Okay. Panel two for Sluggo. I bet the school will be closed all week for repairs. Yeah. Very happy. Panel three. Uh, Aunt Fritzy is looking and shocked at uh, Nancy, who has come home. Fritz, uh, Nancy, uh, her front of her uh, shirt is all blackened. Yeah. And she looks like she's got a hobo beard that is all blackened <laughs> on her face. Yeah. And, and Fritzy says to her, Nancy, yeah. how did you get so dirty? And then in the fourth panel, Nancy replies, um, We had a cold day at school. <laughs> we had a cold day. <laughs> no, it is not we had a cold day. <laughs> Give a couple more guesses. Um, this originally appeared May 2nd, 1950. Okay. Uh, that doesn't help you. No, it does not help me at all. That popular 1950s expression about coal, what was it? Yeah, um, below her nose and on her cheeks, she is covered in coal. Yeah. Uh, and coal down the front of her shirt and coal on her hands. Yeah. <sighs> Boy. I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give up on this one. I, I don't know what she... I thought for some reason you were going to go, I can't believe I ate the coal thing. Wrong <laughs> error. Um, here, 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 uh, yep, it ran right into the schoolhouse. I bet the school will be closed all yeah. week for repairs. Nancy, how'd you get so dirty? Nancy replies, I kissed a coal truck. <laughs> That's very good. Yeah. That's very good. Just made out with it. <laughs> there we go. And that is uh, Nancy Classics for this week. Why? I guess we were talking about this last week a little bit. Why do you? Yeah, I guess it wasn't cool. That was Nancy's problem. But here's a question. Here's a question for you. Why yeah. why was Charlie Brown cool, but Nancy wasn't cool when we were when we were kids? Uh, they were it was more self-referential. Like there was a lot to, well for okay, first of all, you had a wider variety of cast members, I think. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's always something you could grab onto, you know. Uh, Snoopy was a delightful character. I was gonna say Snoopy was the cool element to Charlie Brown, I think. Yeah. I mean, but not just, not just that he was Joe Cool, but also that he was just like a cool idea of a character. Yeah. And, you know, later on, like, he could do some jokes about, you know, the long hairs with the old uh, Schroeder there and the old uh, classical music. And, you know, uh, Linus was pulling out the Bible quotes and what have you. And, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot more going on. Basically, yeah. it wasn't a set-up punchline joke. Yeah. It was usually a character-based joke mm-hmm. that would pay off at the end. Or, or you would then have the reaction 
of the character would be the last thing. So like the joke would be the third. That's right. That was the key. That was the key. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was like, I hate you. It's like the last (laughs) line. Right. So they got there before the cool kids could say it. Yeah. 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 Yes, Nancy, for all its meta elements to it, which were, you know, used sparingly by Bushmiller, I think uh, it was a very mechanical strip, and there was no no real personality to the characters at all. They were just mere uh, vehicles for for the gag. Yeah, you really would feel for Charlie Brown. Yeah, you know, there'd be something like you know people making fun of him, and yeah. then he'll go home and listen to the radio, and the radio would be talking about this, you know, nothing more delightful than the laughter of children. Kick the radio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, okay, I can relate to that. Yeah, sure. All right, sure. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. And Slego, he he didn't seem to feel his poverty. You know, like, there's no there's no sense of you know his loneliness or whatever because well, uh, it was it was his fault. You know, it was back when <laughs> you're a bum because you chose to be a bum. Yeah, he could get his act together if he wanted to. Like, there's one. Sorry, the one I did skip one where he built a robot to do all his chores. Okay. And you got robot building skills. Uh, <laughs> you're fine. You don't even know to go, you need to go to elementary school. Frankly. Yeah. yeah you know, right. You're head and shoulders above uh, everyone else. <laughs> For really? Yeah, and, and also none of us have ever kissed a coal truck. So not that relatable a story. <laughs> but we understand the, the desire yeah. for school to be closed. Oh, though. I would love to. Yeah. The school wasn't going on. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in as much as I like school and as much as I did not enjoy skipping out, um, my, you know, I was perfectly happy to not go to school, you know, just the same way that I, I enjoy going to work, but I am very excited that May 24th is coming when I can have a day off, you know, like, so it's all, uh, you know, my, my sense of responsibility is also coupled with my, my love of freedom. <laughs> freedom is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I heard it's another word for nothing less to lose. Though. <laughs> you know what? People who tell you that, oh no, that's a different song. Shoot, it is. I was going to say well, pe- heard, people who tell you that are driving around in Mercedes Benzes, but no, that's a different song. So. I've heard people who be people are the luckiest people in the world. You know, what I was watching the other night. I nope. Was, <laughs> I didn't watch all of it. I just watched a bit of it because, but I started watching it. It's a movie I've seen before, and I just started watching it just because I like it. And I got kind of fascinated by it. And it's this movie called uh, Two Lane Blacktop. Do you know that movie? I've heard of it. It's directed by. This guy named Monty Hellman. He was a he was kind of a Hollywood guy. He he was a came out of Roger Corman's school of filmmaking, which you know, which kind of birthed a lot of interesting people, you know, because you can kind of you know, fr- like Francis Ford Coppola came out of American International Pictures. That's who he first worked for. Um, Paul Bartel is another one. Of course, Martin Scorsese. His first movie was was with American International Boxcar Bertha, and then um, who was another guy whose name I can't remember now. But anyway, it doesn't matter. But yeah, so, like, this is a lot of people. Oh, um, Jonathan Demme, you know, his first film was with, with through Roger Corman as well. So, you know, there, you know, he, like, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of like, talented people came through that. Uh, and then there was, like, a program, I think at Universal Studios, they had this, they did this pro- program very briefly. It kind of got ruined by, by um, Dennis Hopper when he did, when he did the, um, that, the last movie or whatever it was called. It's kind of a weird movie, about a, a production, a film production that's being shot in like some like very remote part of some South American country, you know, and then like the film crew end up getting like in trouble from the natives. And anyway, it's a, uh, it's, it's an okay movie, but apparently it was like a, the, 
the the whole like production was like this coke field nightmare that ran way over, way over budget for what what the movie was and it, it kind of closed the program because the idea of the program was that universal would they would basically front a million dollars for you to make a movie like if you could make oh. a movie for a million dollars um in the in the wake of easy rider you know yeah. where uh, this these low budget films were like making big money because they were appealing to the the counterculture you know and so this they wanted to get in on this so they were like well we'll give you money and if you you know if you can make a movie for this amount of money you know good for you and so this movie came out of that like physical um i'm sorry american graffiti also came out of that as well that was a film produced by by george lucas and gary kurtz of course through that program and they made they made uh american graffiti which i keep wanting to call physical graffiti but that's a led zeppelin album (laughs) but uh but yeah, so this two-lane blacktop, which is also produced by Gary Kurtz, who was, of course, George Lucas's production partner through up to um, Empire Strikes Back, when uh, uh, Lucas got mad at him because of overruns and, and costs. But um, yeah, so it's it's a really fascinating film. So it stars. This is a weird part of it. It stars James Taylor, the singer. You know, I've seen Fire, seen Rain. You yeah. got a, you got a friend like that, that guy. Yeah, you got a couple of musicians in this. Yeah, and then Dennis Wilson from the beach boys yeah. is in it. He, and they don't have names in the movie. One James Taylor is the driver and uh, Dennis Wilson is the mechanic. And they're like two guys who just drive around the kind of Southwest of the state. That's what it looks like. The Southwest of the United States. And they basically like, you know, try to find guys they can, they can have drag races with to make money. And that's their thing. So they just drive around in this souped up 55 Chevy, which is actually the same Chevy that Harrison Ford drives in um, American Graffiti, but just oh, re, re, retooled for this movie. And so, and then they just drive around and, and it's, and they don't talk to each other. Like it's a, you know, it's a really like, it's a really like low key movie, you know? So they just, they're driving around this big noisy car. So you can understand why they don't <laughs> say much to each other. Cause this is like, it's a souped up. They're not singing to each other. No, no. And yeah, but there's no, uh, there's no music from them in the movie. Like it's not a vehicle for that. So that's, that's the yeah. other interesting part. It's not like, it's not like, it's not cashing in on like. The, it's not the, easy writer. Yeah. 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 It's, it's not cashing in. It doesn't have like a soundtrack or a famous soundtrack or whatever. It's just, you know, there's, there's, is there is mu- music in the movie, but it's all ambient music playing from radios and in diners and stuff like that. And then it has an actress named Lori Bird who plays the girl, this girl who kind of is sort of hitchhiking around, and she kind of she just kind of like climbs in their car when they're eating at a diner, and and they just like just drive with her. They don't like, they're not like who are you? Get out of here! They just like okay, this girl's in our car, she's with us now, and she's kind of sitting in the back with with the big fat tires uh, that are you know part of their stuff they drive around with, and. And then Warren Oates is in it. He plays this character called who's called GTO. He's just like in the part of the movie I watched. It's been a while since I watched it, so I can't remember everything that happens. I, for some reason, they like end up. He ends up challenging them to to like a a long distance race, and they take him up on it. Even though in part of the movie, like this guy goes by and challenges them on the road, and and then takes off, and she's like, "Why didn't you? That guy was challenging you. Why didn't you race him?" And they're like, "Oh, he could. You know, we're he can beat us in the over the long stretch. So there's you know no point." And I just thought, oh, you know, like they're just totally business, right? There's no like to the, to them. There's no pleasure in racing. Yeah. It's all like strictly for money, you know. Like they got to find a sucker, insult his car, get him to put up a bunch of money, then they'll wait, then they'll destroy him on in, on the on the drag strip. And but yeah, it's a it's an interesting movie. I I recommend it to people. It's um it's um very it's very existential, I guess. But but I kind of like that. It's to me there's a the movies that 
I've seen Easy Rider and I think it's okay. I don't think it's a great movie. And I don't think it, it doesn't really feel like it connects to the 60s in any other way than it's just like what it wants to think of itself. You know what I mean? It's like what the 60s wants to be. But a movie like Two Lane Blacktop is what that time period really was. You know, like that, that is like a real, like kind of sl- slice of life feeling to it. And another really good movie from that time period is Ellis's Restaurant, which is a, based on the Arlo Guthrie song. And I know that sounds right. weird. It's not a comedy though, Ellis's Restaurant. It's a really, really like trenchant critique of the counterculture and what it, what was good about it and what was bad about it. And it's a really interesting film for that reason. You know, like it has like, like basically it, Ellis's Restaurant is just a small part of the film. It also, it does have like the part where Arlo Guthrie goes to the draft board and like, you know, does all these, all these tricks to like get, to get you know uh, turned 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 down for uh, for the draft, but it also has like these scenes of this guy who's like you know wants to like create this sort of youth paradise you know this kind of hostel for kids and they like and there's an interesting part which is something I never knew about until I watched the movie where they they buy an old church and and the church has to be deconsecrated before they can ha- use it. And I didn't know that had, I didn't know that was a thing. I just thought if you bought an old church, you just move in. I didn't realize they had to like take you know like a, you know do some sort of like service that removes the, the the churchy elements the holy part of the church is no longer uh-huh. um it's deconsecrated so it's not a consecrated place anymore and so um but yeah the movie's like really almost kind of bitter in it's in it's in its its view of some like some aspects of the 60s and it's really interesting and that but that's makes it more interesting and last longer than than a kind of you know dreamy pat yourself on the back thing like easy rider you know where we're too cool for school and look america doesn't understand us man but uh, yeah, and I can't if I can't think of any more off the top of my head. But it's just like you know, a, a little while ago I was watching Skidoo because I was sort of thinking about talking about it when we were doing Full Marks. So it, it's been a while right. since it because uh, Groucho Marx plays God in that movie, and so it I kind of last uh, last film. Sure, and so I just thought, well, I'll just kind of watch it and see if it's worth talking about. And it's not worth talking about because it's just like a mess. You know, it was made by a director who was like, you know, had used LSD, and he's like, man, we got to talk about how great LSD is. <laughs> <laughs> which is like the worst the worst thing you can do right like you know it's like trying to tell people people your dreams you know <laughs> no one wants to hear this like these are your own experiences you know it's great that you felt like you're one with the universe but by the way that's just how you felt you weren't actually literally one with the universe you were just having a drug experience so it's uh you know it's it's uh it just feels so of its time but it's 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 just like it's not but it's not it's not in any way real you know it's not like a real um, evocation of that time period either, you know. Whereas watching Two Lane Blacktop, you're you're seeing a world that's gone now, you know, like like a real world that's gone, not a fake world that's gone. Like Skidoo is a fake world that's never existed, so it doesn't matter if it's, if it's here or gone. But Two Lane Blacktop takes place in an America that once was and is now gone, you know. Like we're, our whole our lives are a lot different than the lives of those people. We live in a different world, not just techno- technologically, but also in culturally and the way so people approach their lives. You know, and there's a, just a different sort of world now. We don't, we, and yeah, it's just, it's uh, interesting to watch. And also, it's full of really great cars, <laughs> which you know, hey, as a guy who loves loves old uh, muscle cars, it's uh, right up my alley as well in that way. I wonder if that car was the last appearance of that car, the one that Harrison Ford car that was in this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know because uh, yeah, it was just a guy. It was a guy who was like a, a a movie car guy, right? Who who provided the car for 
for American Graffiti and, and and obviously Kurtz knew him. And I don't know I don't know what movie came first. I don't know whether Two Lane Blacktop was released first. In my mind, I kind of feel it was. Cause I think it's seventy one. I do believe that American Graffiti is a little later than that. And of course, I, well, I don't want to give spoilers to American Graffiti. If people haven't seen it, it is a very good film. Like it's a movie that you can watch and kind of and sort of feel sad that George Lucas couldn't make movies like that anymore. You know. Mm. Because he just got so caught up in the whole business of Star Wars. You know, it's kind of like um, Peo with the Smurfs. You know, once once something becomes super popular, then your whole life is about about managing that popular thing. Well, nothing's stopping him now. George Lucas? Yeah. No, no, but w- w- what's the hunger now, though, right? <laughs> like, well, it depends what if you got to, you know. I feel, I feel like as an artist, there's probably a story you haven't been able to tell. You know, while you were working on, uh, you know, the Ewok movie. Yeah. You know, you were doing all the all those things, <laughs> and you were talking about space. Probably something came up, and you want to tell a little story. Sure. Maybe about the time he met uh, David M. Maybe tell that whole story. It's a good, it's a good story. It is a good story. I'm going to do a quick plug for a movie I I watched that was on uh, uh, Turner Classic Movies last night. Okay, sure. Uh, that was um, Anatomy of a Murder. Hmm, that's a very good movie, before. yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, directed by Otto Preminger yeah. uh, with uh, Jimmy Stewart. and uh, the Duke Ellington really score. Yeah, uh, Duke Ellington making an appearance in mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, George C. Scott, uh, Ben Gazzara, sure. and uh, Orson Bean. And you go, ah, what's that guy do? Why is he in things? Who is he? <laughs> yeah. Is Why is he on Hollywood Squares? Why is he there? Yeah, why is he a person who's on things? <laughs> uh, but yeah. it just surprised me, the, um, the, the graphic language. And just like, the, yeah. like I realized it's, it's 1959. So yeah. We're yeah. It's just, it's just on the verge, isn't it? It's Hollywood kind of spreading its wings a little bit. But then you get like Jimmy Stewart just talking. So oh, man, you know, doesn't get to completion of this sexual thing. He could be doing this and that and the other, but doesn't get it all the way. So he tears the, it's like, ooh, it's getting really <laughs> crap. Yeah. Though it is interesting. At one point they have to mention the word panties in the entire uh, you know, a jury and everyone in the court like laughs. And I really like the judge. The judge is just this like guy just trying to get this done and just like, okay, that's the last time we're all laughing at that. I understand. But it's like, wow. Interesting. But then, yeah, it does get, you know, it's, uh, you know, it, it says what it says. Mm-hmm. It does what it does. It's shocking in, in parts, yeah. but it's a real talker. Like it could be a play. Yeah. Uh, and it's, uh, it's very good. It's very good. Uh, it's very good really movie. Interesting and well worth uh, people watching if you get a chance. Uh, Anatomy of a Murder. <clears throat> it's a very seedy movie. Yes. It's like yeah. a. It's sort of the underbelly, and it's it's very it's very good in that way for sure. Yeah. If your view of Hollywood is through films like Meet Me in St. Louis and things like that, and then you watch that movie, you're just like, hmm. hmm. But yeah, I think it's an interesting film to watch after It's Wonderful Life. But it's funny because I think Skidoo was directed by Otto Preminger, so that's what. Kind no. Of, I think that connects that way. No. Really? I, I think so. Look it up. Look it up if you don't believe me. Okay. Or you can just trust yeah. me. He did Man with a Golden Arm. He did uh, Advice and Consent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he twice nominated for the Academy Award. Oh, no. But then Please. it kind of fell apart for him in the later Laura, part of his Laura, yeah, there we go. Director. Okay, filmography. So what are we talking about here? 69, oh, probably. Oh, Skidoo is right there. <laughs> oh, no. No, 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 no. Oh, I know it's not funny. We have to do this. Oh, no. Oh. We have to take it to completion. <laughs> I think I tore something. 
Oh no, Dave! Quick, we gotta get off of this. We gotta get to vampires. Do you have vampire talk? I do have a little bit, just a little bit though. I didn't have a lot of time this week for for vampires. Get some vampire talk in here, because oh my gosh! All right. Oh my gosh! Oh, I'm disappointed. Oh, uh, here's a question for you. Yeah. Otto Preminger, what Batman villain did he play? Um, he played Batman TV show. Yes. In two episodes. In two episodes, did he play? Was he like a movie director? He was not a movie director. Oh, okay. He was a straight out, you know, top level Batman villain. So he was like a gangster then. No, he was well. He well, was he was boss. he was German. He was a, yeah, he was a villain, like a full on super villain. Oh, I don't know. What did he play? He played Mister Freeze. Oh, really? Yes. So that makes that makes Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mister Freeze like more understandable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. It, it makes it more sen- it makes more sense actually like what what Schumacher was going for in his casting there. Oh, maybe because he was thinking of you know because basically that that Batman movie is like it's supposed to be like the old Batman. It's not it's not carrying on in what Ke- uh, what sorry what Tim Burton was doing with uh, Michael Keaton. Man, I keep hitting sorry I keep hitting my my. That's neck. okay. I was trying to rub my eye. Um, well, you've been vaccinated. You can touch your face. I can I can do whatever I want. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> to completion. What? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, no, but I think, you know, the problem with that Batman, and this is something that, that Patrick Will- Willems brings up in that, I was mentioning that he did a, maybe I'll link to that this week. But anyway, what he was talking about in his, like, celebration of the 67 Batman film is he mentions the problem with the Schumacher one is the casting of George Clooney. Because Clooney is, unlike Adam West, who plays the part perfectly, which is seriously, he is the one. He's the anchor. He's the rock of of the the show and the movie. You know, everything is crazy around him, but he is absolutely, utterly serious in in his portrayal. Clooney's always winking at us, and so he's you know he's you know he is also agreeing with us that this is ridiculous. So instead of us taking it seriously through his through him, it just loses all bearing. And this becomes like we're disconnected from it because we have no one. Yeah, everyone, everyone was, uh, yeah, putting a hat on a hat. Yeah, and and yeah. there's just no, nothing for us to connect to. Like when you watch the original Batman series, you know, Adam West is this completely believable, likable, sympathetic Batman. That you know, so whatever's happening around him, no matter how crazy it is, we are concerned because it's happening to him. You know, sure, it's a gin- it's a ginormous trap. That's the size of it's taking a whole warehouse and is a little unbelievable in that way, but it's uh, it's it's putting this character that we like in peril, you know. And so, but when you take take away our sympathy for the character by reducing him to the same element as every other part of this movie, then he's just part of the madcapness. And when, as we've learned from it's a mad, 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 mad world, you cannot put that many hats on a hat because you need to have something grounded that makes the movie work. They have to have one straight character amongst all that madness who is sympathetic and who we are rooting for that yeah. makes the movie work. And if you don't have that, then there's nothing for us to grab onto. It's a very slippery thing. And what am I watching right now? That's making me feel that way. Oh, Eve's been watching a show on Netflix, something rather bone, something in bone. Yeah. Yeah. And my problem watching that show yeah, is shadow, shadow and bone. Shadow and bone. That's that's it exactly. Thank you. Yeah. The problem, you know, I've just I've just watched two two episodes of it with her. But the problem I have with it is is that because you know it's from a book series, right? So in yes, a book, you for could sure 
in a book, you yeah. can have the inner life of the character. And so their actions are, their actions, whether they're good or bad, are explicable in, through their psychology, that character's whatever whatever is motivating them we can we can understand it especially if it's per, per, first person or or kind of a single you know we only have their thoughts you know whether we're whether we're like a you know a limited what do they call that narrator who just kind of, you know just unreliable narrator not unreliable but just ha- only we only have like one character's thoughts and every other okay, yeah. every other person uh, is a blank to us you know yes. but but that character is the storyteller then you know, say it's Alex from from A Clockwork Orange. You know, because that character is telling us the story, we can't help but sympathize with them, no matter how terrible they are. Their actions are explained by their by their narration. You know, so we are part of what's happening to them, and so we become concerned for them against even against our, our better judgment. But the problem when you remove that and make it into a TV show, the characters' actions are only surface actions. And so, if they're not sympathetic, if all the characters, you know, are doing bad things all the time, you know, are being selfish, you know, it's not explained by their psychology. It's only what we see. And so, it's hard. It becomes very slippery to me. To, I, I, I have no one that I'm cheering for. And so, I start to, the show kind of starts to become less interesting because I'm just seeing all this mayhem in action, but there's nothing happening to anyone that I like or care for, you know. So, yeah, it's a... I said that to Eve, and she made fun of me. But, but she, but she read the book series, so she has, she has a, she has a dog in the hunt, right? Yeah. Okay. What, right. what are you, what are you laughing? I just find that funny, just so that, and then, and then, and then she made fun of me. <laughs> yes, she did make fun. And of I me. went to the other room, and I had a good cry. <laughs> I did not. I just laughed at her telling me that. But yeah, I mean, to her, you know, she's just like, Dad, it's just a TV show, you know. But I'm like, yeah, but I need, I can't just watch a TV show. I have to be like, into, I have to enjoy it in, in a way that's, that's meaningful to me. Like, I can't just like, I just don't, I don't enjoy spectacle, you know? Like, it's just noise. If it's, if it's just spectacle, it's just noise. But speaking of something that isn't spectacle, but is all talk, mm-hmm. and if you don't understand those characters' motivations, they will tell you their motivations. Oh, they will explain them all over and I over again. And there's only one thing I can be talking about, and that is, Dork Shadows. Now, once again, this was a listening party week, and I spent a lot of time listening to music this week trying to get the show ready. So I didn't have as much time as, as I like for for uh, for Dark Shadows. But I so this is very short. This is very brief, everyone. So don't even sit back. Just sit sit where you are, or stand sit where you are. Right up and don't get comfortable. <laughs> right, don't get comfortable. Awkward place. You're gonna <laughs> hear about a vampire who can't see his face. <laughs> They didn't do that in the show. No, it's too hard. You always got to worry about where a mirror is. I'm like, well, why can I see him? I'm like, all right, whatever. But yeah, it would, have, mirrors. it would have been interesting to at least have him like see himself in a mirror when he's cured by by Doctor Lang. It's like one of the first episodes, uh, Buffy. You see Angel. He's standing in the sun. You know, he's got some sunlight on him. He's like, yeah, because you know, <laughs> it's hard. It's all hard. It's hard to do. So you know, no, he's fine. You can do a mirror. Forget it. Yeah. Well, he's in L.A., so... That's true. All right. So, um, last episode, as, as we left off with Vicky having been kidnapped or captured by Adam, who's using her as a pawn in the game. But Adam has has been corrupted by, by Nicholas Blair, the possibly demonic figure who who came to uh, bring bring Angelique back to life after, after she was uh, destroyed by 
trap by the ghost of Reverend Trask. So Professor Stokes, who had the deepest relationship with Adam up until Blair began became a got his ear, has come to Adam to to beg and plead for Vicky's life. And he talks to Adam and you know, he's talking to him and he says, I know you, Adam. You know, you live with me. I taught you. I taught you. I, you know, I understand how smart you are. I understand who you are. But someone else, someone else has gotten to you. He says, is it Blair? And he says, and Adam, you know, says, well, Blair is my friend. And Stokes says, Blair is no one's friend. But Adam refuses to believe him. And then he gets to Adam. In one way, he says, what if someone kidnapped Carolyn and wanted to kill Carolyn? And Adam... You know, he's like a child, right? He doesn't he doesn't really think these things through in the in a way an adult would. So his reaction to this is, well, no one could do that. And he says, well, yes, he, they could, because you did that to Vicky. They could do that to Carolyn. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, Adam is like put into a place where he has to think about how his actions are not just impacting on himself, but on other people. And he is really like moved by that. And so he starts, he's thinking, you know, I'm going to have to let Vicky go. And then Blair comes to visit him. And he says that to Blair. He says, he says, you know, we have to let Vicky go. And he's like, well, you know, who told you that? Has Stokes been getting to you? Is basically how he's reproaching this. And Adam's like, well, it's wrong. It's wrong to, like, do that to someone. He says, Adam, how, how are you going to get what you want? You have to have, you know, you have to be able to force people to do what you want. You know, Stokes isn't your friend. He's Barnabas' friend. And of course, then Adam doesn't like Barnabas. So that immediately gets gets him, you know, mad at Stokes and basically Blair to sort of gets Adam mad at Barnabas and Stokes and, and conflates the two together. And then, so then Adam's like all mad. And, and so he goes to Barnabas and he basically says, um, that he will kill Vicky if Barnabas does not, because Barnabas, you know, Barnabas is waiting. They know Stokes has gone to talk to him. And so he's waiting to hear what, what Adam's going to come back and say. So when Adam turns up, you know, if, if, if it had been just Stokes, Adam probably would have come to Barnabas and said, Vicky's going to go free. But no, Nicholas Blair is involved. So Adam goes to, to Barnabas and Julia and he says, I will kill Vicky if you do not you know, reproduce the experiment and make a mate for me, someone who will love me so I can be loved. Mm-hmm. And so Barnabas basically has to agree to this. But he, he says, you have to let Vicky go before we'll do the experiment. And Adam says, no. What I like about Adam when he says no is he says like a kid, he goes... No. <laughs> Don't you want to do that? No. Yeah. This is really kind of nice. But um so uh but Barnabas will not back down from this. He says, "No. You know, we will not do this if Vicky is still being held captive." And Adam's like, "Well, then I will kill her." And Barnabas says, "I don't think you will, because if you do, then you will never make a mate for you. So you have to trust me. You have to trust us and believe that we will do this for you, but you have to let Vicky go." So Adam says, I will let Vicky go. But if you're lying to me, I will kill Vicky and I will kill every person you love. So Barnabas is like, so now Nicholas Blair goes to, has been kind of visiting Maggie on and off. And so he's, he has some sort of plan for her, but we don't know what it is. We know that he's interested in her. We're not sure if he finds her attractive. She is attractive. Or if he knows about Josette and, and sees, sees a resemblance between the two. We don't know. We don't know if he's trying to get to Barnabas through her. He has some sort of plans. But while he's visiting Nick, visiting Maggie, and he's kind of gone there as in the guise of a person who loves loves her dad's art 
and wants to buy one of the paintings, and is offered an astronomical sum to buy one of his paintings. But Maggie is uncertain she wants to sell her dad's paintings because they're all, all that she has left of her father. Mm-hmm. And so Blair makes this very generous offer. I'll tell you what, I'll buy the painting, but you can keep it here for me until you are ready until you know what you want to do with it, you know. But she still doesn't want to even do that, you know. She's but now while he's visiting, Joe Haskell has finally been released from the hospital. Of course he was injured when he went after Adam a few episodes back because he was angry when Adam uh critically injured Sam Evans and Sam Evans of course eventually died from those injuries. And but when Joe went after Adam, Adam critically injured Joe and so Joe has been in the hospital for quite a while and so he finally gets out and he comes he comes home or comes back to Maggie's cottage and meets Blair for the first time. And of course Blair is not happy to see Joe because he has his own plans for Maggie and he does not want this very and let me just say right now, the actor playing Joe Haskell on the show, the best looking actor on the show. By oh. by a country mile. You gotta get and, some good looking people on your uh, soap opera, otherwise we got trouble. Well, and I'll tell you, like the most to me, like you know, this is my own taste, but like most of the guys, I think are not that great looking. Mm. You know, like the Jeff Clark guy. Not only is his voice very annoying because he always he speaks in a very strident way that I find kind of grating. The actor who plays Adam is not bad looking, but by far the best looking actor is Joe. So he better stay on the show, or I'm giving up on this thing. I wouldn't kick him out of bed for sucking blood. <laughs> to completion. So. Oh God. <laughs> Why does that make it so much worse? <laughs> Why does that make it so much worse? <laughs> so, so, um, what he, but Blair invites Joe to visit his house to come. And so Joe's like, oh, sure, of course. So, you know, he's a friendly guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now Adam has come to, to Blair and said, they will do this experiment, but we have to free Vicky. So it's done rather cleverly. It's done well. Well, Blair and Angelique, the vampire, watch in a mirror. They can, they do like, I don't know how they, you know, they have like a blue screen, I guess, and they just kind of show a footage of Vicky in her room where she's kept captive in the house. And Blair creates a scenario where Vicky thinks that she's escaped. The door mysteriously opens and she leaves the room that she's in and she's in the house and she's able to climb out through a window and get away. Okay. And then Jeff finds her wandering in the, the forest and he brings her home, but she cannot remember what happened to her. Just that she escaped oh. from somewhere, but she doesn't know where she was or, or anything ah, like that. Okay. But she has escaped. So she is, she is out of Blair's clutches. Then Joe arrives at Blair's house and uh, Blair isn't there, but his secretary, Angelique is there. And Angelique tells him that, she is kind of Blair's secretary, but he treats her very cruelly. He's very cruel to her. And she says, you know, he's very abusive and he's been terrible to me and I need help. And Joe's like, well, of course I'd be willing to help you because, you know, he's a he's a, a chivalrous guy and he wants to help this, this woman in distress. And she says, please hold me. And so he gives her, a, he hugs her. And as he hugs her, she turns into a vampire and oh, bites no. his neck. And that's where we have to end this week. I'm sorry, folks. It's a very short one, but we'll end in oh, another cliffhanger. No, it was just a nibble. It was just a <laughs> yes. little nibble. All right. Fair enough. Yes. And, and if uh, you want to uh, follow along with uh, Dark Shadows. Yes. Of course, you can on Tubi. Mm-hmm. And uh, if, you want to, if you want to do that, then remember, uh, tell them Sneaky Dragon sent you. They won't care. That means nothing. <laughs> We've got no connection at all with it. Good. But tell them anyway. Uh, 
Tell them anyway. Yeah, tell them anyway. You know what? Instead, do this. Go to hellkitty.com. Trust me on this. It's like Hello Kitty, but without the O. Hellkitty.com <laughs> yeah. slash super. And you can go there. And uh, my wife, Pia Guerra, and I have done a comic there with our friend Moritat. And it's pay what you want. And it uh, takes place in the superhero hospital. And uh, maybe there'll be a vampire there. Possibly. Could happen. So go check that out if you want. So there. Um, Dave. Yes. Before we get to our mailbag, mm-hmm. I just wanted to uh, say, say one more thing about Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League. Okay. Here's the, here's the thing. I posted this online today, and some people have agreed with me. Uh, <laughs> we, we talked a little bit about uh, the scene uh, where uh, it's a little spoilery, I guess, and that Wonder Woman saves some kids uh, off the top and saves some kids uh, in a way that ends up mm, not good for the villains. <laughs> They're not going to be coming back again. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, and after one of these graphic kind of uh, uh, killings of the villain, uh, there's a girl who's uh, in the crowd, yeah. and she says to Wonder Woman, "I want to be just like you." And then Wonder Woman yeah. says to her, while behind her, the the wall is blown out, and the remains of people she's slain are on the ground. <laughs> yes. uh, you can be anything you want to be. Yeah. Okay. And we've talked about that as in like that's a, a weird. A scene, <laughs> and uh, my feeling now is no, yeah. no, that's a good scene. Yeah, and that should be the scene that starts Wonder Woman three, and she has just created her uh, arch nemesis. So this is someone who wants to be like Wonder Woman. Yeah, but isn't that to. isn't that Cheetah in Wonder Woman two though? But Wonder, uh, but Cheetah doesn't kill anybody. I know. I'm just saying, but she wishes to be like like Wonder Woman. Well, she wants power, but well, what? This this person who she, like she, Wonder Woman thinks that she's just uh, telling this girl, you know, be whatever you want to be. It's all yeah. fine. Yeah, but yeah. What the girl is really saying is, yeah, I want to kill people like you do. <laughs> I mean, I do like that idea. Yeah, and and Wonder Woman's like, you can do it. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Mm-hmm. As she's covered in uh, human spittle, you know, I was like, <laughs> yeah, follow your dreams. And so you know, this uh, girl has gotten the go ahead from Wonder Woman. And now uh, she uh, goes to the dark side, and Wonder Woman's got to like deal with, you know, what she's uh, set up. Uh, but yeah, I thought about that today. I was like, that sh- that girl should definitely be the villain in the next movie. I'll just say one other thing about Justice League, which is um, Mary was watching. Mary's been rewatching the boys, and uh, I have to say that's a better version of Justice League. So is Invincible. <laughs> I've not seen Invincible. Is that animated? Yeah. Okay, but that's also like an evil superhero, right? You should watch Invincible. <laughs> you can tell me. And, and let me tell you, I'll, this, try, I'll, yeah, I'll try to make time. You know what? You, you see something really early, but the lead guy who is Invincible, who is our protagonist, yeah. is not evil. No. Hmm. That person's great. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good. That's that good. That person's trying their best and yeah. they're great. And something oh. happens around them yeah. that is, again, the thing that we do in every one of these things. But, they, but they, <laughs> the final episode of the season has. You know, basically Superman versus Zod kind of fight. Yeah. But like you've never seen before and you will never see again. It was insane. It was insane what they were able to do with the animation. It was it was it was bananas. <laughs> so it's uh it's it's worth a go. I think it's on um Prime. I think you're right. Yeah. So well, I'll uh, try and I'll try and give it a watch. Give it a little, give it a little watch. See. Now uh, we like to uh, go to the old mailbag and see what you have to say. Uh, we'll see if uh, my voice can hold out for this. If not, I will turn it over to David's uh, soon point. Um, but he just read a lot of stuff, so I'm going to try and do what I can. So we had questions of the week, and one of the questions of the week was, 
Are you doing today what you originally planned when you were younger? Also, did you ever disappoint someone? And was it right that you felt that way about disappointing that person? So the first letter we got is our friend Louise. Always a treat to hear from Louise. The room gets brighter, things smell better. Louise, yay. Um, also, did she put up uh, pictures on our any of our sites or was that last week with the uh, with the Academy Awards? That was last week. Well, then let's move on to this week. Uh, Louise writes, I didn't uh, originally plan on doing anything in particular. I had a vague idea of maybe working in theater since that was my arts major. After I graduated, I was fortunate that my parents didn't put any pressure on me to get a real job or move out. I only had to contribute $100 a month towards household expenses, about $250 in today's dollars. Uh, And today's dollars are like the old dollars, except the queen looks older. Um, I split my time between home and a boyfriend's apartment. That allowed me to do a variety of low-paying part-time theater jobs until I eventually landed uh, my first TV writing job. My parents never made me feel I was disappointing them. I don't think uh, there was the same stigma back then about a young woman still living at home in her 20s. It was more culturally expected at the time. Both my brothers moved out uh, soon after high school, went to get married, and want to live the happening post-disco bachelor lifestyle. <laughs> and uh, a little bit of trivia. That was a good post-disco there. Thank you. Yeah, and a little bit of trivia. I also later lived in that same apartment. But the people we're talking about weren't in there. But I lived there. Uh, could I pay the rent? No. And so I got kicked out. And rightfully so. <laughs> Um, Edward Dragansky asked and answered asked and answered I'm doing fine now yeah Edward Dragansky I don't know man it's been a pandemic man things are rough but still we're okay we're okay Uh, I was able to buy a lawnmower this week I think that means I'm doing okay sure did you did you mow your lawn oh so good so good nice nice Oh, with a mower that works? Is it like an electric one or did you buy a... It's an electric one. Is it a battery powered or battery powered or just like a plug-in one? You plug the damn thing in. Nice. You plug it in. Perfect you mow for, your lawn. Yeah, perfect for where you are. Oh, perfect. Could be better right now. <laughs> um, I do need to fill up some planters in the backyard because right now it looks like we have two coffins waiting for us back there. <laughs> It's disturbing. <laughs> part of your dark shadows? Uh, a little bit, yeah. That's my dark shadows uh, role playing you know, cosplay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Edward Draganski writes, "Hi, Edward. Um, I always knew I would make it as an artist of some kind. I just knew wow. it would be my career. I had a wonderful art teacher in the seventh and eighth grade who took very careful notice of what I was drawing and asked me one day if I knew what I wanted to do for a living. Not really prepared to answer her, she suggested I might excel as a commercial artist." Not really knowing what a commercial artist was, my teacher explained the profession, and the seed was planted in my heart and mind. I remember this event very clearly, and I credit my middle school art teacher for setting me on that path. Later, in college, I was looking for what I should minor in, and I visited my counselor. I originally wanted to minor in photography, but that field was under the same curriculum as graphic art. My counselor, who I had become good friends with, was also the top graphics instructor at my college, and he liked my work. Uh, he said, I know you can draw and design, but why do you draw and design? You should minor, uh, should reflect why you do what you do. He suggested I take the 101 intro classes to advertising and radio, TV, and film and see if one of them inspired me to focus on a minor. And surprisingly, I hated radio, TV, and film. But 
I absolutely loved advertising. <laughs> then I remembered my eighth grade teacher's words about being a commercial artist. The advertising instructor who taught me the intro class also taught all the advertising classes until I graduated. And after college, I was fortunate enough to work with him for some of his clients and got my start as a quote unquote commercial artist. He's still teaching advertising at my college and has more tenure uh, at the University of North Texas than anyone living or dead. I still don't think they should let dead teachers. Uh, yeah, I don't change. think that's a good idea either. Yeah, that's right. Especially if it is propping them up. Yeah, take it for a guy who's got two coffins in his back here. Uh, <laughs> so I can't take full credit when it comes to my career. I had a bit of help from some very special teachers, counselors, and instructors along the way. And speaking of my profession, I took on a freelance job for a friend once, and he wanted me to illustrate his book. This friend of mine happens to be a magician and a very good one. Oh, ask him about hypnosis. I've, uh, I've known him most of my life, and he's a very popular entertainer in his field. He thought of me immediately when he decided to write a book about magic tricks. So he called me to discuss uh, illustrating the book. I originally said I'd end up doing the cover. I had done other, some other covers for his DVDs and card decks, but an entire book, <laughs> he kind of talked me into it, and that's what they do. Maybe you were hypnotized. So I felt I should at least try. Yeah. Let me tell you one of the, one important thing about magicians. They are incredibly detailed and precise. Tell me about it. So he needed uh, all the illustrations of the hands doing the tricks to be exact. He wanted them to have that inked antique lithograph look to them too, as if the book was published 100 years ago. Ugh, I could not do it, and I felt terrible. I was so incredibly anxious about doing these illustrations. I dreaded doing them at all. I was out of my depth. I thought, this is no way to work. I need to back out of this job. On top of this, he wasn't paying me enough to stick with it anyway. Mm. So I called my magician friend and gave up the job. He was very upset and disappointed. So much that we didn't speak for years after this. So I'm sorry about that. We're back on speaking terms now, but he never asked for my services since I backed out of his book. I guess it's enough that we're on speaking terms and Facebook friends again. I knew we were okay when he showed up at my 50th birthday party and performed. I asked him to make my uh, age disappear and he laughed. I knew we were okay <laughs> after that. That's permission to kill you. Careful. <laughs> very, very careful. Yeah. That's right. You're dealing with a magician. I um, I worked with a magician uh, named um, uh, Sean Farquhar, who fooled uh, Penn and Teller twice. Did not fool him the third time. Um, <laughs> but uh, there was one time where he was performing at a hotel, and uh, they uh, decided to stiff him on his payment. And uh, he was like, no, you got to pay me now. No, we'll, we'll mail it. No, you got to pay me now. No, we'll mail it. And so he, um, he took all the TVs from every room and took them to a field <laughs> and then called them from the, called the hotel from the field. Yeah. With a picture of the TVs in the field and they paid him and he returned the TVs. <laughs> wow. All of the TVs. I think so. That'd be weird to be left one in the field as like... Uh, <laughs> no, I just meant know. he took all the TVs from the, the hotel. That's crazy. Yeah, well, he said all the TVs. You know, but you know what? How many TVs do you need to take? Yeah, it seems like he's exaggerating a little bit. I don't know. And again, this is back when TVs were big. Mm -hmm. But, you know, look, the guy made his wife disappear every night. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, and if you want to see the logo, uh, Edward has uh, included the logo on our Sneaky Dragon page, SneakyDragon.com. Go to episode 491 and you can check that out. It's a very good. Go it's a very good back. logo. It's a very good logo. Yeah, it's a very good logo. I was kind of curious who the uh, magician was. Because because uh, uh, Ed is oh. a very good artist, mm -hmm. so people know that he did a great and, he did a great oh, thing cool. for a listening party where he uh, created uh, our um, 
peanut duck for him. Oh, peanut I never exploited enough because I'm so I'm so I'm such an inept would, promotional uh, person. I, I would wear a shirt, a peanut duck shirt. Well, let me tell you that that's possible. All right. Well, let's I'll put a link. I'll put a link on our page, and we'll. we'll uh, Very good. But um, here, uh, I just want to say, just want to talk a little bit about Ed's story because that is. You know that is like the hardest thing in the world. Like when you can draw or whatever, or when people ask you to do art for the, for for them, you know, and you and you feel obligated because you can draw, and then they're like, well, you know, like why don't you do this incredibly complicated thing for me? And I'm not going to pay you for it, of course, but it would be really nice if you did it. And you're like, oh, okay, I guess I can help. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, like some you know some things are fun and easy to do, but sometimes people just they really want. You would think a magician would know the amount of practice it goes into, the amount of work it goes into doing something that looks simple. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, that another fellow artist should should respect that more. And uh, and, yeah. you know, and I'm sorry that you know that they got mad at you for not doing the thing. That's that doesn't sound right. No, I disagree with that. I think you're right on that. So uh, no. I did one once where uh, someone asked me to do some illustrations for them, and like it seemed like okay money. I was like, all right, and it's just going to draw some animals and some stuff. And like, oh yeah, I can do that. So I did it, and it turned out it was like an anti-vivisectionist thing. I found out, and I was like, "Oh Jesus, I don't know what the fuck is this?" And again, it was like uh, a bunch. Like they gave me so many words for this mouse to say. Yeah, and it was just uh, just awful, just awful. <laughs> yeah, actually, I have to, oh, not to speak out of school, but yeah, that's the, my one concern when I start, when I agreed to color sparks was. Uh, that I was just going to blow it and then not be friends with you guys anymore. That was just like, oh, this is really terrible. What am I doing? That is, yeah, I don't think that's a possibility. Well, if you still have some swastikas in the background, <laughs> yes. But aside from that, no. You guys didn't notice. Hmm? No, we'll take a look. You know what? Pick up the book yourself. If you can find one, the book's free. <laughs> and then we'll go, we met the old kind, the good kind. <laughs> that's right. Uh, I don't want to go into Ed's uh, next letter after that. Let's uh, clear. Let's clear the, the palette here for a second. Uh, uh, boy, I liked Kool Aid. Okay, that's good. Back to Edward's uh, stuff. Yeah. Um, I want to add another comment about the 1960s Batman series. Mm. Really, is it that Otto Preminger played uh, Mr. Freeze? <laughs> By the way, uh, Dave, trivia. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Freeze was also known as what other supervillain name? Um, the Cold Miser. Mr. Zero. Oh, Mr. Zero. Oh, from drinking Coke Zero. There you go. Yeah, that was where Coke Zero got invented was back then. <laughs> um, after Crystal wrote about her fondness for the show last week and commented on how nice she thought Adam West was, I can say firsthand that he was the perfect gentleman. For about an eight-year <laughs> run, I had the opportunity to – do you even hear me say perfect gentleman? I tried to do Adam West, and I think my voice just vanished into the it's, It sounded – okay, uh, is that what you're trying to do? It sounded like more kind of suggestive than it yeah, sounded it like Adam West. West has a very suggestive voice. <laughs> I had the opportunity to design the badges for the local Dallas Sci-Fi Expo conventions. Yeah. In October of 2001, they themed the con after the uh, 1960s Batman series with all the cast and attendants, as well as George Barris – who brought a Batmobile he created for the show. Nice. Love George uh, By Bass. designing the badges for free, this mean I, meant I could design one for myself with the highest level of clearance and go backstage or wherever I wanted to meet the Batman cast. Cool. And I swear to you, Adam West is Batman. <laughs> he carries himself as if he's still in character. And when I was with him, you could cover your eyes, just listen to him speak. you think you're in the presence of Batman. Frank Gorshin was the best. 
I spoke with him the most. I did get to stand behind him in line once, and it was really cool. Um, at, ta- at the time, uh, he was on stage playing George Burns in a one-man show called Say Goodnight, Gracie. I asked him if he uh, would ever retire, and he said, I can't sit still. I have to keep moving. That's how Lincoln got it. <laughs> That's true. He's not, is that wrong? stage that night survived that night. Mm-hmm. It was only the one in the audience. Good point. Julie <laughs> Newmar was uh, kind of in another world, but she looked fantastic and tall. It was one of the best sci-fi expo cons I can remember attending. If you want to see the badges I designed, you can check them out here. They're fun to design. There we go. And they look, they look really good, too. Yep. Uh, Crystal replied, uh, oh, and she says, this was for you, Crystal. And, and Crystal replies, Edward, you have absolutely delighted me. Thank you for sharing your story about Adam West and uh, all of that. Again, thank you. That's so great. I, just, I love that our, I love the listeners talking to each other. I don't like it. I think they can gang up on us at one point, and they may have no use for us in the future. <laughs> well, that's we're, we're used to that feeling. So. I don't like it. I do not like them talking to each other, Dave. I do not like it. Oh, well, I encourage it. Everyone, back to your own pod. <laughs> Laurel Robertson writes, Hello, David and Ian and Sneaky Peeps. Congratulations on getting your vaccination, Hello, Ian. What's that? I said, hello, Laurel. Oh, very good. Uh, I thought you said, hold on. Um, oh, can I just say, before you go into this letter, sorry, let me just say one please, more thing. Please, please. Because Ed kindly posted a news story on our Sneaky Dragon page on Facebook. And you can, not only can you see Ed's fantastic collection of Star Wars memorabilia. Ah, yes. But you can also see Ed Dragansky in the story. So oh. we can put a face to Ed's voice, his written voice anyway. And it's, and it's got to tell you right now. Handsome guy. I was. I would say before you do that, draw a picture of Ed. What do you think he looks like? 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 Yeah. See how close you were. And then see if yeah, there he was. Looks great. That's good to see. And he's very personable. And he's uh, talking to I guess a a friend who's also a reporter. And they, this guy I guess does that thing that reporters do where they're like, I know a guy who has a bunch of stuff. (laughs) Uh I'm gonna do a story about him. So yeah. So they, it's it's quite fun. It's uh, very good. So it's on our page, Sneaky Dragon. Um, you can find it on Facebook if that's where you like to go, and uh, you can see Ed's uh, news story there. It's very charming. Yay. So, so thanks, Ed. So uh, back to Laurel. Back to Laurel. Laurel uh, says, "Congratulations on getting your vaccination, Ian." Yeah, thank you very much. Wonderful news. Congratulations to all of us who have been vaccinated. Dave, you are now. Uh, uh, you've now gone through your two weeks. Yep. So you are. Uh, eighty-seven percent uh good, I think, and a hundred percent you're not sure. going to the hospital. So I am nice. chaotic good. All right. Uh, I was almost weeping during your talk about your parents this episode. Mm. Thanks once again for the frank discussion. My dad was an emotionally remote parent, and the first, maybe only, compliment I could recall receiving from him happened when I was forty-two. Well, uh, we had taken my dad and stepmom, who was visiting okay. us in the Florida Keys from St. Louis. Uh, on a Gulf water boat ride. When we uh, brought the boat in uh, to the ramp, there was a lot of wind and the waves had kicked up, pushing the boat off course. No, I did not walk on the water, which have been an extremely compliment-worthy story. <laughs> but I did manage to drive the boat straight up onto the trailer without a hitch. Wait, it had to have had a hitch. Perhaps how we could have pulled it home. Ah, well done, Laura. We would have called you out on it and not gotten the point. But so far, full points. But that's, that's impressive. That is amazing, that is. actually. I, I, let me just say right now that I am often around boats because my brother-in-law has a boat when we 
and often go visit him at his cabin by on the lake and i am not a boat i don't i'm terrified of like trying to drive the boat i just never do i'm always like oh no i'll just i'll be a passenger i'm perfectly fine he's just given up on offering me to, to drive it so uh, i'll do all the like you know the uh kind of uh you know dog dog dog's body jobs you know like being in the water get, hooking the boat up to the to the little winch on the trailer and stuff like that but i don't want to drive it so i'm super impressed that you were able to do that laurel it's amazing that's fantastic so uh after the hitch was hitched anyway <laughs> my father was impressed and said so uh it meant a lot to me then and still does but i have to tell you i have not waited to compliment my kiddos <laughs> they hear the good stuff often and proudly good for you I'm sorry about that. That is way too long to wait for a call. It is so way too long, but you know, I'm I'm kind of of two minds about that. Like, okay, not I not not that I don't compliment compliment my girls, but I, I sometimes wonder if you just like are complimenting constantly. If it just becomes like just so much noise to them, you know what I mean? Like, uh, but then again, I don't think you should not compliment. So it's just I don't know. It's kind of I guess you have to walk a tightrope between you know being somewhat parsimonious but also being very fair about but complimenting them you know what i mean like like just for example like when i was in my farrier course i had a very tough old bird of a teacher like he was an old old cowboy dude you know like from the interior you know spent his life underneath horses you know showing them and stuff like that and he was not a born teacher he was a very talented farrier but he was not he was not designed to be a teacher i don't think Okay. But, you know, and he was, like, he was, you know, hard as nails. And I remember one time, you know, and he didn't say very much to anyone in the class. Like, you know, he, you know, he would give you some advice and stuff like that. But he, basically, he preferred the students to kind of student each other. Right. So, like, the people who had been there longer would help the younger, the, the newer people, you know, learn learn the ropes and, and get up to speed and stuff like that. And then he just kind of come in. And partly it was because... You know, we we got horses every day that needed to be shod, and there were times when there was no one there who could do it, just him. So he was like shoeing six horses a day and stuff like that. Well, everyone was learning to do it, so so I could see like that's pretty exhausting. So, um, but I remember one time I was I made horse for horses, or sorry, shoes for a horse, but I got called away from that horse to go help someone else with theirs, one of the younger guys or newer guys, and so one of the uh, girls from my or ladies from my level, she took over to 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 finish the horse. And so at the end of the day, when we were doing like our kind of end of the day talk, he was talking and he said said to this girl, he goes, you know, um, now those shoes you did today that David made, those were easy to put on, right? And she said, oh yeah, really easy. He said, that's because those were fucking well made shoes. <laughs> <So> <laughs> now that was you know that I never got a compliment from him before, you know. That was no easy compliment to get. And so it made it so much more valuable. You know, like it's so meaningful that he said that. You know, it was just like, wow, like, man, I really impressed him. That's really, that's really great. You know, like that's, you know, it just didn't happen easily. So, you know, uh, there's value to that too. Now, I don't think you should wait 42 freaking years before you compliment someone. And that's just yeah. insane. And I, you know, as someone who went through that as well, you know, just did not get praise, you know. Um, I don't think that's good. I think it's very destructive and creates very bad work habits and very, very bad, like esteem, self-esteem issues and stuff like that. Well, I think, I think like, you know, you don't have to, it's not about fake, fake, uh, compliments. No, no. Like to me, to me, there are things that you do during a day 
that are good things but aren't necessarily the big things that you would compliment normally. It's not just, you know, hitting the target yeah, yeah. like perfectly. Yeah. It's like you did something small that was like a little good thing. Like to me, like again, and I'm not a parent, but to me, like in, like noticing the small good things that you do and, and, and pointing those out and complimenting those, that seems to lift everything up a little bit more. Sure. Or just like I thought you were really nice to that, uh, you know, to the kid, or you were nice to, oh, you helped, oh, oh, you picked up that thing, oh, that's great, thanks for doing that, that's great, <laughs> you know, just like you give, you know, because you normally get scolded for every little thing, so maybe a little bit of praise for the little things as well. Well, but, you know, some, see, some that's where I would, that would, I would say. I mean, do you mean outside of the home? Because I would say differently. That's something that the girls never got scolded for every little thing. So okay, well, that's an unusual that, situation. You know, that does not that just wasn't a thing in our. In, How in, about you as a kid? Did you get scolded for every little thing? Yeah, of course. Oh, there you go. I mean, I still get blamed. I I still like you know why don't, you know people say well, how come you haven't called your mother in two months? And I'll say well because if I do, then part of the conversation is why was I so mean to my brother? And why did you know? Why didn't I help him more? Sure. And I'm resp- I'm to blame for his problems that he has in his life. Very, very good. So, so then you go, then you say, well, that's you know, that's part of why I don't really like phoning, <laughs> you know. And so, but of course, the problem with that is when you put it off, then you're also going to get in trouble because you're not yeah. calling enough, and then there's all it's kinds a no, of other. It's, it's a no win. It's a like no it's win. A, it's a no win. That's fine. And I've well, mentioned before that, like, you know, if I, you know, we were regularly given, you know, household chores and stuff to do. You know, and so, but none of those chores could we ever, or me, ever do to uh, whatever imaginary standard my parents had, right? So if I was asked to sweep the driveway and, you know, clean up, you know, and clean up the garage or whatever, I would do that. I would sweep it up and then, you know, put, sweep everything in, put a, you know, put a dustpan and throw it out. I'm done. There you go. Then I would, you know, come, maybe come outside 15 minutes later and there's my dad sweeping. (laughs) <laughs> the driveway again to do it better, you know? And it just feels like, like that's just insane to me that you would give a job to a kid who doesn't know how to do it with not that much instruction and then correct him afterwards. Instead of, no, there's no compliment. It's and it, really, that's just an insult. So what that does is it creates in you an unwillingness to, you know, so what's, what happened for me is it makes it hard for me to complete tasks because if you finish something, then you'll be judged for it. So I have to really like work super hard to finish some, something because I have this really big issue with with the idea of being judged for it when it's done, right. you know? Because so I know that I will not live up to anyone's expectations. Right. right, and you know that sucks, and they were wrong, right? Of course, yeah. Okay. I think okay. it's ridiculous. So just yeah. just acknowledging that that was their bad behavior. Oh yeah, of course. But it, it, it to this day. The problem. The problem though for know. kids is they love their parents. That's a place that you are, especially when you're a little kid. Sure. You know, so their opinion of you really matters and really impacts on how you view yourself, you know. And so just by acknowledging it doesn't take away the hurt or the habits that that created throughout your life, no, you know. No, that's, uh, that's a job for therapy, <laughs> meditation, and uh, many other things. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. Uh, where, where, I'm, where I'm going with, and that I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to like dismiss what you're saying. No, no, that's fine. Um, but uh, watch me do it. No. Um, <laughs> but what I'm thinking is like, you know, and not just for a kid. I do this. You know, we do this around the around the house as mm-hmm. well. Like now, it's like if there's something little and extra that one of us does, me or my wife, we'll bring it up and just be like, "Hey, that looks much better. Thanks for yeah, it's great." You know, I could just go, "Yeah, yeah 
she should be cleaning the place up. Yeah, we should be trying to make things better. That's just part of us, you know, living together in Jimmy House. Yeah, yeah. But the other thing that we we tend to do every so often is we'll just we'll just like look at each other and just go, "This is really nice." Like it'd be something like we're just sitting with the cat on the on the uh, watching TV, something dumb, and just be like, "This is really nice. Thanks for this. This is really this is great. Like I really enjoy spending time with you." Or like, you know, we're going for a walk and like, I really enjoy going on these walks with you. or I really enjoy doing this with you. And I think you can do that with kids too. It's just like, even if you're like driving to school or walking to school or what have you, mm-hmm. just going, I really enjoy this time when we're walking together, just acknowledging sure. this is something and it is a thing and it's good. And there you go. And it's a small, it's not like you've done something amazing. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, no, no. You know what? You being here makes things better. It's oh, great. No. It's great being yeah, the girls hear that all the time, so don't... Oh, there you go, then. Then you're... Uh, then you... Whereas me, because I constantly need validation in yeah. a very unhealthy way, like, I, I don't... You need to do a three-hour podcast every week. That's right. I don't wait for, like, like say, like, this week, I, I fixed I fixed the our toilet, because the, the little uh, that little thing that the flapper that comes up, in, you know, when you pull, when you push down, when you depress the lever, the flapper comes up and lets the water through. That wasn't working properly, so I, I replaced it and, and, and stuff, so... You know, I can't just do that. I have to then say to Lisa, "Oh, did you see that I, <laughs> you see that I fixed the toilet? It's working better now, right?" She's like, "Oh yeah, that's great. I can't. I, I just mean, can't yeah. uh, let it sit like Here, that." Here's, no, what, no. here's what it is. I need that. I need that validation. Your father, as a kid, uh, swept the driveway after you swept it, which means now, yeah. as an adult, mm-hmm. you need to spend a half hour a week reading your fan mail out loud on the air, <laughs> right? That's what you gotta do. You gotta have like people wrote me fan mail. I gotta listen to that. I gotta listen to all these compliments. I don't really think it's well. It's nice when there's compliments, but it's not always compliments. We often. Okay. All right. Let's let's keep going through it and see how it goes. Okay. All right. Well, by the way, you started this, so I'm sure I, I'm sure I did. Read your fan mail. Um, question of the week. Uh, no, I never had. A, okay, we're again. Those of you that uh, remember where we were. <laughs> Uh, we'll know that it was Laurel Robertson we're still reading. Sorry, Laurel. Um, no, I never had a plan, uh, and I've worked at many different jobs in my life. It's been kind of fun along the way, watching for the next cool thing to make some scratch and have an adventure. I remember telling people when I was little, I would grow up to be a missionary nurse. I guess I'm uh, finally doing a relatively close thing for 10 years now. I graduated from massage school in 2011 at age 53. And it built up a really nice practice caring for my clients along the way. No, that's excellent. No, that just makes people stay so much better. Uh, as for, I haven't had a massage in a year. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so tense. Anyway, put my cat on my back and just go do something. <laughs> uh, as for uh, disappointing people, geez, I feel like there's a real good chance of that every day. It's a wall I still have to talk myself down from mm. quite often. Uh, sweet Laurel, the world will keep going around whether or not you're able to. Ah, whatever. And, of course, it does. Hey, you know when you do your plugs? Maybe talk more about David's uh, show cards and how to find them on the Waze website, eh, Ian? I know you've mentioned it sometimes. I just think for newsletters coming in, they have to have uh, a look. Uh, your artwork is brilliant, David. <laughs> I just read a random letter, David. Thanks. I wonder if it's fan mail or not. <laughs> Your artwork is brilliant. Thank you, Laurel. Love Appreciate to you that. guys. Love to you guys. Keep on sneaking. <laughs> okay, here's how to find David's artwork on our website. Go to sneakydragon.com and uh, on the top of the page, you'll see art. Click on art. And there, you'll see the Sneaky Dragon title cards. And uh, click on those and you'll get to see 
uh, David. Um, a wonderful title cards that he's done over the years. Thank so you. you Thank you. And uh, also, can I also add then that you can also click on Ian's show summaries that he did for a while that are also yeah. really, really good. So take a look at those. You don't even have to have seen the show. He just does great little gags yeah. based on stuff we talked about. So, and uh, then David didn't praise highly, me enough, so I quit. I highly recommend them. David went, I'll, I'll redraw those for you. I'm like, David, <laughs> come on! It's a little tiny bit of a compliment all I need. Uh, crystal rights. Nice to see Crystal writing again. Yeah. Hello, Ian, David, and everyone out there in Sneaksville. Ian, you did fine with the show. You might have not thought so because you just received your shot. I was crazy. But trust <laughs> me, you sounded fine. I wasn't after the show. I had that thing where uh, when you got the performer's high, where you get all this adrenaline because you're doing a uh, performance kind of. Yeah, yeah. And then afterwards, my body relaxed and just went, let it all happen, brother. Oh, it was rough. <laughs> Oh, so bad. Anyway, uh, question of the, I would do it again, uh, and I will do it again. Question of the week. When I was a little child, I wanted to grow up and become a nurse. Hey, a couple of nurses here. Uh, probably because I had an aunt who was a registered nurse. Mm. I thought it would be a great way to help people in need. I changed my mind and fancied several other vocations through school until one day I bought an old copy of an Atlantic magazine at a thrift shop. I bought it uh, in a stack of other magazines that had been published in the 1960s. Cool. There was... Let me just yeah. say, I love Atlantic Monthly. Mm-hmm. It's a great magazine. Yeah, yeah. to hell with Pacific. <laughs> it's too broad. It is way too, yeah, get on with it. There was an article <laughs> in the magazine about the librarian profession and how America today, at that time, needed librarians who were uh, personable extroverts, people who desired to improve the lives of residents in their community, and bright-minded, clever people who could immediately call to mind history facts and other trivia. Uh, too much of the profession had been filled with people wanting to escape high-pressure jobs and find a second career where they could hide away from the world, uh, which was the last thing the author thought was needed in the modern library. As I read through the article, I felt like it was written specifically for me. <laughs> That's when I knew I wanted to work in a library. When a part-time position opened at my local library, I applied. I worked my way upwards while working my way through college, and I can honestly say I have held every position at my library. When I was given the position as head librarian, I made sure to hire other people who were as energetic, knowledgeable, compassionate, and friendly. <laughs> Sub-question. When I was a child, the worst thing in the world was for my father to tell me that he was disappointed in me. Mom could spank me or grab a switch and make me do the hickory tea dance. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've ruined hickory tea for me. Uh, and it had no effect. But let her say she was going to tell uh, my father and that he would be sorely disappointed. Now, that would have to get me begging, pleading, and negotiating that I would behave. As an adult, I try not to disappoint people, but sometimes it is unavoidable. And when these situations happen, due to some oversight on my part, I mentally beat myself up worse than anything. Yeah, that's the way I feel it is. It's like, you know, you get to, you know, you get that as a kid. And then when you become an adult, uh, you you take up the switch, mental or not, and uh, just take it on yourself. Uh, And oh, before I close off this post, are there any guidelines or criteria I need to know for the 500th podcast celebratory listener submissions? Ooh. Uh, I have a silly idea rolling around in my brain that I hope to make a reality. Just wondering. Uh, what a wonderful week, and I look forward to the next episode. Well, thank you. Um, the only thing we're planning right now is for David and I to try and do the podcast in the same room, which we have not been able to do for a year. Uh, aside from that, uh, you know, I don't know if there are any restrictions. No, whatever you want to do. Uh, don't make anything out of meat. 
because it will not travel well. <laughs> if you, tra- if you send that's... something across the border, yeah. meat, not so good. <laughs> Unless it's like a Hickory Farms thing. Maybe it sure. could be love. Maybe. I don't know. Um, Hickory no, Tea Farms, yeah. You know, don't send us any live animals. There, let's do that. <laughs> I don't. I can't take on any more pets. So there, that's right. about it. All right. So don't give me some, give us a teacup monkey or anything like that. Can't do that. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So yeah, sorry no, there, anyone who was planning. There are no yeah, whatever you want to do. Like we we uh people in the past have sent us artwork. We've had uh, uh, little statues made for us. We've you know, so yeah, whatever whatever you wherever how what however you want to to uh this help you know, us listen. help us celebrate what I think is a pretty Momentous number of shows, I guess. And, and look, I'm going to say what I always say. If you can't think of, uh, first of all, you don't need to give us a gift or anything. Your your listening yeah. is a gift enough. Uh, but if you do decide to give us a gift, yeah. um, uh, take a shoebox full of twenty dollar bills. <laughs> you always say this. Yeah, it's true. Shoebox full of twenties. Something they that always is, say. That is always the perfect gift. Yeah. Is a shoebox full of twenties. Yeah. So <laughs> that's great. Easy to spend. Not a hassle. Uh, easy pocketed. David, I can split it quite easy. I can take more. David won't know. It's great. <laughs> Shoot, <laughs> My math skills are terrible. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, you listen to this guy, probably brings a float to every show. <laughs> Why? No reason. Uh, Sarah Walsh. Let me just, let me just uh, before you go on, I just want to talk a little bit about, um, it was just sort of funny because Mary was talking about um, her early ambitions of being a librarian and then she, she kind of dismissed it and she said you know it's just like it's just a basically a retail job she said which i don't think is true i think she's kind of i don't know maybe is disappointed and is underselling it to herself but it it's kind of funny because a little while ago we were at a bookstore in chilliwack this little bookstore a little used bookstore and there was a woman in there and she was looking for a book for her for her niece and there's mary like giving her all these tips and and finding books for her and showing her all these different Young young adult books that this the girl would would like, and giving her all the you know the good and bad about all these different books. I was just thinking, man, like this is like she's, this is like heaven for Mary. Like just talking about books and how much because she loves books so much, and and yeah. So I, I uh, you know, it's just one of those things where someone says oh, I would want to do that, and you're just like, but you'd be perfect at it. But that's you can't you can't uh, you can't make someone do what they don't want to do. So no, that is an actual factual fact. Anywho, what did Sarah have to say? Well, let me tell you, Dave. Uh, Sarah Walsh writes and says, I'm falling behind again, but I really want to answer a few questions from previous episodes. Well, feel free. Yeah. So I'm going to attempt the shortest parcel versions of those before answering this week's. I have two, uh, two half-sisters and one half-brother, but I grew up alone. My first sibling came along when I was almost 15 and lived in a different home. So I was essentially an only child. I always wanted siblings growing up, but it is what it is. And here's a bit of fun. My mom got remarried and had two more girls. My dad got remarried and had a boy. So wait for it. I have a brother from another mother and two sisters from another sister. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. In August of 2017, I drove alone almost a thousand miles uh, away, uh, each way from Southern California to Albany, Oregon, to see the solar eclipse. Along the way, I visited landmarks of an extremely difficult but important time in my life in Northern California fought fear and exhaustion, and saw the most beautiful thing I could have imagined, and, and something I had dreamt of seeing dreamt of seeing uh, since childhood. I saw the, uh, the the eclipse as well, and it is it, it was amazing. You're, you're absolutely correct. All within an uh, incredibly tight budget. 
Uh, I found new levels of strength and determination in myself that I didn't know I had. I wish I could access it more often, but at least I know it's there if I really need it. Speaking of that time in Northern California, when my grandmother was diagnosed with a meso, I'm sorry, I'm going to pronounce it, meso, I'm, I'm not sure, David. Mesosolithemia. Thank you very much. Uh, she moved to Sacramento, the Sacramento area, to live with her younger brother, who cared for her uh, to the end. I also moved up there for a while, but I couldn't find a job and had to move back home. Her brother didn't like me for a variety of complicated and petty reasons, hmm. and he chose to interpret my crappy adulting skills as intentional manipulation to live easy and get handouts from everyone. But mostly, I think he was jealous of how close we were. Anyway, during the year or so she lived with him, he got into her head. She was on a lot of medication, so she really wasn't thinking clearly, and by the time she died, he had at least partially succeeded in driving a wedge between us, and I have no way of knowing what she truly thought of me at the end. I know she loved me more than anything, but it certainly seemed as she had brainwashed into being disappointed in me as well. Oh, uh, or she may have been terrible. disappointed in herself for not raising me better. I will never know. As for whether any of it was warranted, I've always felt like it was uh, missing a gear in my adulting machinery. Uh, I didn't seem to be capable of functioning properly in a capitalist society. And from the outside, it would certainly look like I'm being lazy and expecting handouts. It feels very different from the inside, of course. And maybe that's just me being self-centered. As you can tell, he got into my head a little too. That is what people like that do. They mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. uh, they get it, They get in there and they just kick stuff around and mess stuff up. And I'm really sorry that um, you went through that. I'm really sorry that your grandmother went through that. And uh, I, let's say Dave and I think you're swell. And you're absolutely fine. Yes. Um, well, sorry for the downer. Don't worry about it. Have you heard our fucking stories? Have you listened to this show? <laughs> Woo! Huh? Plus, plus, I've seen I've seen Sarah's wonderful music videos that she's put up on YouTube, which are the result of someone who's very good at adulting skills and yeah. and someone who obviously can you know plan, uh, carry out and and uh, perform tasks of you know that take some some something more than just skills. So so you know don't believe that don't believe the hype. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And whoever's making up the rules of what counts as adulting skills, who's that person? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, what What insane person, you know, what insane adult thinks that they're like a good adult? Yeah. Let me take you, I could take you on a tour around this dumb room I'm in right now. And you go, that guy's got problems. <laughs> yeah. I'm Here I'm laughing when I'm almost going to be killed by books falling on me. So, yeah. Right. And, you know, Dave's still hurting about something that happened to him when he was 13, if not younger. <laughs> right? It's, let's not say that it's it's and killing Dave, me. And Dave yeah. is 85 years old. 85? That's true. He is 85 years old. But Look, that's... Looking pretty good for it. Years. It's metric. <laughs> but he looks so young. That's true. That's weird. Um, here's something uh, to cheer us all back up. Good. All right, fair enough. I wasn't really down, but okay, fair enough. Uh, I don't remember what made me write uh, the note to self to mention this, but it must have been something discussed in last week's episode. There's a store near where I worked for a while called Pants Town, and it always made me laugh. Here in Southern California, pants just means trousers, but as UK listeners have already noted, it has two meanings on that side of the pond. Underwear and crappy, and they make a terrible name for a store. No one, uh, no one, uh, no one around here ever seems to appreciate how hilarious it is 
maybe I'll have better luck here. And then uh, Sarah does post a photo of Pants Town, which I'm going to look at. Oh, looks like everything's half off <laughs> at Pants Town. <laughs> oh, oh, come on, boy. store. Be better. Yeah. And uh, then I'm trying to find an excuse to now turn to Dave. You know, Dave's upset about something, you know, but I don't want to get him upset by the end of the episode. And I want to just say to him, sorry, Dave, it's Pants Town. Wow. I wish we could afford a crane for the the pullout shot. Yeah. And then, of course, boop, 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 boop. Won't you take me to Pants Town? Oh, man. Yeah. Gonna make a move because I'm wearing no pants now. <laughs> Gotta put on some pants because they're making me talk about, talk about getting kicked out of the library. <laughs> Gotta move on. Won't you take me to Pants Town? Oh, Pants Town. Sorry, it's the wrong name. <laughs> well done. And that brings us to the end of our letters. Well, we do have an email. Please, David, if you wouldn't mind. But I, I just, can you just wait one second? I just have to run into the house. Exactly. My... I just want to make the show more fancy. <laughs> Please do. Listen, if you're a millionaire <laughs> and you want to contribute some money to our show, how would you do it? Would you fill up a shoebox full of 20s? Perhaps you would. And have your butler deliver it. Or you could go to patreon.com slash Dragon. And there you could subscribe monthly, whatever amount, a dollar, two dollars, whatever you wish to do. Or there is a, a, a Patreon link on our website at seekydragon.com. You could also go there and uh, do that. And, uh, you know, it's up to you. But only if you're a millionaire, you can do it. I subscribe to some stuff. Is that, are, you, are you ready, Dave, or do you need more vamping? I could vamp more. I'm going to vamp more. Listen, if you want to write to us, here's how you do it. And go to sinkydragon.com. That's our website. Every episode has a message board underneath it. And you can just post stuff there. If you want to go to Facebook, boom, do that. If you want to go to Twitter, sneaky underscore dragon, boom, do that. Want to go to Tumblr, uh, sneaky.tumblr.com. Oh, sorry, uh, dot, uh, Tumblr, that's uh, sneaky dragon. There you go. It's something like that. Anyway, the important thing to remember is if you want to email us, uh, sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. That is sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. That is the email address. And those are the ways to rent. Also, if you want to listen to past episodes of the show, all available free, all 492 <laughs> episodes are there, as well as all the past other podcasts we have done, such as Secret Dragon Listening Party, Fansplings, Full Marks, Completely Beatles, and Totally Tintin. All free. Give them a listen. David. Hello. Are you back? I'm back. Okay. Sounds like you're doing some, doing some hype. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. I'm not very good at that stuff. Gotta take me to Pants Town. <laughs> Sneaky Dragon Town. Well, I'm... Okay. Talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. Hmm. What's going on here? Do you, do you not have it? Oh, I guess I'm already there. Okay, so this is from our friend wrote to us. Her name is Gina. Oh, very good. And she said, Ian and Dave, I am so glad to touch base with you again. It is so nice to hear uh, from you again. Yes, it was very nice. I have been greatly enjoying your Sneaky Dragon podcast since discovering it over a year ago. 
I work night shifts at the hospital, and it has been a lifesaver. You guys are always awesome, but together, you guys are solid gold hilarious. It reminds me so much of when we were young. Speaking of, Dave, do you remember when Denise wanted to have a party, but we needed to get her parents out of the house, so we made up a fake church fundraiser, complete with an invitation on fake church letterhead, and you pretended to be from the Catholic Youth Organization and hand-delivered the letter? I found that letter when I was moving to Victoria. It made me laugh. Oh my gosh. Yes, I do remember doing that. It was for a pro-life organization. And uh, I can't remember we gave it some some name. Wasn't it like Save the Children or something? It was just ridiculous. And we've taped, typed it up on a typewriter. And it looked as official as you can imagine. Teenagers, it makes me look official. But Did you get away with it? I, You know what? Uh, I was telling this story to Eve because I, you know, I just had read the read the email right. and and I said, you know what? I don't think I was invited to that to that party, <laughs> so I don't I don't remember going to it. And she said, Dad, you were invited. And I was like, I don't think so. No, you delivered the letter. You were invited to the party. I said, well, maybe I don't think it fooled them though. I think the pro- I think they they saw through me with no okay. problem at all. Because you know what? I can't look like some churchy kid because that's not who I was. So I just showed up in my regular clothes. I mean, I tried to dress somewhat, you know, in a way that would look like I was the representative of a Catholic youth youth organization. But I don't think I convinced anyone. They saw me right through me. They saw right, they saw me with parent eyes. <laughs> parent eyes can see right through you. And, uh, I, uh, oops, yeah, I was. I, I I think Gina. Did, yeah, Gina did write me. Uh, and, uh, I, I don't want to say too much about it, Yeah. but, uh, spoiler, it backfired is what I got from her <laughs> about the, the whole scam. So, Oh, is that right? It backfired? Yeah. It backfired. Yes. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. It was pretty, I will, I will it's pretty ridiculous. You, I will read you the details, uh, later on. Okay. That's, yeah. sounds fair. Sounds fair. All right. So Gina goes on to say, Ian. I seem to have had a series of near misses where I almost ran into you. Oh. I was on a bus in Vancouver a few years ago and yep. saw you on the sidewalk. Oh, I think nice. you had a guitar and were singing. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. And here's one of those stories. Okay. Here's the thing. Yes. I'm not following up this story too much. Okay. Because it's one of these things where like you go, Oh, I saw you on the I saw you on the on the street the other day. Oh, did you? Yeah, you're there you're there every day. Oh, am I? Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, I see you every day. It's exactly you. Okay. And then one day I'll go and I'll, I'll see the person they're talking about and I'll yeah. just be like, oh, no. <laughs> That's like, we're alive, fell in the ocean a while. <laughs> That's not good. It's never like a real handsome young man who's just like, mm, the beautiful guitar. It's all working out. It's clearly, it's clearly a guy screaming about Jesus. And how he bled for you, right? Like, that's who it's going to be. <laughs> oh, dear. So, you know, there you go. But I'll, you know what? I'll take it as it's a compliment until I hear differently. Yeah. But please continue. This was... It wasn't, it wasn't me, though. I haven't busked on the sidewalk with a guitar for a very, very, very long time. As in decades. So, no, that was not me. Then she says, a couple of years ago, I went to a movie at the Rio, only to discover that you had been in a show there the night before. That was me, yes. And then I saw you scheduled to attend the Victoria Comic Con, which was cancelled due to COVID. Yeah, that also makes sense. Though, to be fair, to most of the Victoria Comic Cons. But, (laughs) but, 
that. Uh, yeah, it would have been nice to see you. Yeah, it would have been great. One yeah. day soon, if the vaccines do their job, I'm sure we will all be in the same place at the same time. It would, would be, be delightful. It yeah. would be good to see you again. In the meantime, I will keep sneaking. Gina A. Oh, that's really, really Thank nice. you so much. It is so nice to hear from, from Gina. It's one of those yeah, people that, that were, it's so many people, but she's one who, of course, I knew, you know, knew so well. And, and of course, we lost contact with each other. And yeah, it's something that you think about when you're thinking about people. You go, I wonder what Gina's doing. <laughs> well, when you mentioned, like, you know, you ever woke up on a bus, uh, I, took a, I took a bus with Gina to New York City, mm. a Greyhound bus, and then back. And at the very end of the trip, uh, she turned to me and went, don't take this the wrong way, but I don't want to see you again for a long time. <laughs> and I was like, okay, fair enough. I was like, yeah, I get it. Because we had spent days on that bus together. Going to sleep on the bus, waking up on the bus. Yeah, I know. Eat, eat jerky. I did not bring enough money. Yeah, no. Uh, it was uh, rough, but I'm so glad I did it. It was a nice... <laughs> no, no, I I admire your, your chutzpah, your... your, your, your uh... Dumbness. <laughs> you know, I got, I got, you know what? I got yeah. uh, three. Okay. My first three issues of I, my comic mm-hmm. uh, were about me trying to get across the border in with, with during that trip. Yes. So, you know, those, I, I, if it wasn't for that trip, I would not have done those issues and those were quite well received and mm-hmm. maybe I wouldn't be working in comics now. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. But yeah. also, also you had an adventure. Yes, you know, and an that, adventure that sure. is so. That is so. That's just uh, great. You know, like I, I, I don't know if I was invited, but I regret that I that I that I didn't go on that trip. Yeah, it was a very interesting trip, and it was again one of those times where like you still had enough chutzpah to like you know <laughs> ask someone you didn't know, "Can I stay at your place? Yeah. <laughs> like, coming to town? Is anyone gonna want to put us up?" Yeah, yeah. And, and people would go, "Yeah, okay." I was like, "All right," and yeah, and then got to see New York. And it was amazing. Sure. And, you know, I still have, like, dreams about it. And uh, I took a – I put a picture of myself, actually, from that trip up recently. Yeah, I saw that. You know, I, I look at it and I'm like, that guy's, uh, <laughs> that guy's looking rough. But uh, it was still, you know, still amazing to me being there in uh, Times Square. And, look, and it's and nice looking cool, too. That I, was, that I was there before it all became fancy pants and the kind of <laughs> New York that pe- New Yorkers now go, oh. It used to be so stabby and good. I'm like, oh, you were there when it was stabby and good. Okay, fair enough. That's cool. Crime afoot. Crime everywhere. Crime, <laughs> crime, right. crime, crime, just crime. Out of, just out of frame, there's a person with a knife waiting for you. No to... shit. No, there was like in Times Square, I think on like minutes earlier, there was a guy who had a wallet and like grabbed it off a guy who just stole his wallet. And the guy went, you're crazy. This guy's crazy. Crazy guy here. Pointing at the guy holding his own wallet as he walks away. This crazy guy. Yeah, yeah. He just planted his wallet on you. That's what happened. That crazy man over there. We're all believing the story. Holy shit. Wow. Yeah. He said, well, lucky for me, there's nothing in my wallet. Pretty much, yeah. I also uh, separated absolutely everything that I had into different pockets, which is what I always do. Mm. So if someone does rob me, I'll reach in my pocket and go, here you go. And then go, how about the other pocket? Oh, here you go. But I'll still have a couple pockets left. They won't think, this guy didn't split up everything he has into various pockets. No one would do that. That's a crazy person thing. Crazy person here. Crazy guy. Crazy guy. So anyway, it is very good to hear from uh, Gina. And she can call up and say, uh, or write us and tell us that uh, those stories I'm telling you are bullshit if she wants. Feel free. <laughs> Um, so call us out. Just your call memory. Us out on our lives. By the way, Dave, a uh, quick, uh, quick thing. 
Yeah. I don't know if I mentioned this last week. Okay. Uh, there's a animated film on Netflix now called The Mitchells versus the Machines. Yeah. Delightful. Uh, got a, well got a really good review in the paper as well. So yeah, it's produced by that matters Bill anymore. And Christopher Miller, who you know did uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, sure, but also d- uh, directed, uh, written, directed by the people who were, were uh, worked on Gravity Falls. So yeah, there's just it's, like, it's all it's all good people. It used to be called Connected. Uh, it was advertised under the name Connected, uh, but it's a good it's family stuff. Uh, you know, family crisis, but yeah. during the end of the world and. Uh, Really good. So uh, go I, I definitely intend to. I was going to watch it last weekend, but it, it didn't work out for us. I so. think you will enjoy it. I plan to watch it. I would like to hear your opinions on it. Okay, so I have plugged everything, and it's about time. Oh my shit! It is late. Um, it is about time for us to wrap this up. Oh my you gotta god! Work it is late. tomorrow. I gotta talk to some British people in the morning. Um, <laughs> so there we go. That's why it's going to be. Hello. I've, I've plugged everything. I plugged it all already. I'm you plugged done. everything? Oh, that's great. Yep. All right. Plug, 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 well, plug. just put a cork in it, baby. Wait a second, Dave. Hold it before we, uh, <laughs> yeah. before we get out of here. I know. I, I just got to make sure that the uh, the ad doesn't play before this. Uh, here we go. Get rid of that. Sorry. Excuse me for a second. Okay. Sure. Uh, I'll try. I'll try it. There we go. Hold yeah. it. Wait a okay. second. Uh-huh. We're almost. We're almost ready to go. Yeah. Uh, and so, as always, it's a delight talking to you. It's a delight talking to all of our. Uh, lovely uh, people out there mm-hmm. and uh, we appreciate your uh, kind time and uh, being here and now there's nothing left to do Dave Okay. but just get out of here because I'm heading to Pants Town I've got to make a move to the town that's right for Pants Bye, everyone. <laughs>